Kipling, Annapolis Center, do you have any test operations restricted area 2508? Area 31, Roger. Traffic is quite luminous and is exhibiting some non-ballistic motion, over. Roger, Aries 31. Continue to send at your discretion, over. Okay, Center. The traffic is approaching head-on, ultra-bright, and really moving. They're right by us, right now. There are a thousand UFO sightings reported around the world every month. 90% of these sightings can be explained, but 10% cannot. Officially and unofficially, the U.S. military has been investigating UFOs since 1947. Their top secret goal is to find out what's behind these unexplained sightings. The Pentagon classifies them as unusual airborne anomalies, but a better term is X-Files. Join us now as Mac Wanwan and Commander Cobra explore these unsolved cases, UFO incidents that baffle even the U.S. military. This is Mac Maloney's Military X-Files. And now, here's Mac Maloney. Well, good evening, everyone, and welcome to Mac Maloney's Military X-Files show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. This is Mac Maloney. Well, what a show we have for you tonight, but first, we have to warn you, girls, it's time to sit down, get your mister, get your fan, get your big box of Kleenex, your big box of wipes, your squeegee, and your some lube, because the very famous Juan Juan is here. Hey, load up on that lube. Hi, Mac. Load up on the lube. Hi, girls, guys, everywhere. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Yikes. We I'm trying to hit the ground running tonight. Good. I don't know if I'm going to make it because I'm going to kick it off with uh, KBS. K- oh, 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 no. You know, so, uh, <laughs> we'll explain be that. Be warned and beware. It's like 11% How's out. How's it going, Mac? I haven't seen you for a while. Yep, and, uh, yep. everything's good. Glue with the car and stuff. Yep, got my uh, Corvette fix serviced. It just needed a little, uh, little extra oil in there or something, so. Everything is good. So, Ray. Okay. Yeah, baby. Now for the bad news. Milfs, Gilfs, and Gigi Gilfs. No Coco tonight. He's on a secret mission. Wow, that's outrageous. Let me let that sink in. Okay. But taking his place on the food chain, which I know this really turns him on, is our <laughs> uh, national correspondent up there in Battle Creek, Michigan, home of the flakes, Switchblade Steve Ward. Switchy. It's great to be here, and I'm, I'm trying to maintain my excitement. Hey, Ma- <laughs> hey, switchy. How hey, are being so turned down and everything. <laughs> <laughs> right. Wow. Okay. Maintain his excitement. Interesting. Uh, all right. Uh, we're going to go you, right. You haven't done any walking on the ice in uh, Lake Michigan and not knowing you're walking on ice, have you? Uh, no. You, you see too many uh, newsreels of yeah. people that step out on the ice and suddenly it separates and the Coast Guard's out looking for them. <laughs> yeah, right. So I figure <laughs> I'm just going to stay home and them watch busy. the newsreels. Yes, yeah, right. They're stranded like polar bears. Forgive me. I dumb enough to do that. say that. Like the polar bears. <laughs> so uh, uh, we're going to go sideways here to uh, Security Chief Willie Club. Willie, how you doing tonight? Oh, it's always good when I'm going sideways. Well, you know. It's great, Mac. Hi, folks. Mm-hmm. Hi, Willie. Hey, mm-hmm. uh, by the way, I, I did want to remark on uh, the appearance of uh, our friend out in the Midwest there. I, I got to say, uh, your, uh, your piece tonight is uh, exceptional. But exceptional. anyways, I just want to, while I think of it. You know, I paid a bundle for it. Oh, I can tell, you know, but like Sinatra used to do. But anyways, I, I, I had to share this with you. Yesterday, I was reading this article uh, from NASA, with NASA yes, yes. where they have uh, developed up in the, the you know, the space Station. Station up there, they're doing a lot of development. Yes. They've come up with this new adhesive, and it's adhesive. You know, you can adhere things to your skin. Uh-oh. Like they say, now you're going to be able to have a whisk, whisk rush on your, on your, your skin without having any kind of 
attachment. You know, you wow. won't need any kind of straps. Mm. But anyways, they're looking into it now for people that have issues of, uh, you know, wearing hair devices. Yes. <laughs> and, I knew that's no, where this, this one, was going, this baby. Is cool. Yeah. If, and wow. I, and I, I'm going to get you the, the link on it, which I, I don't have it right here. I, I don't even I know how forward to it. this started. And if it but... works, all you got to do is you put a couple of drops of this stuff. It's like a super, you know, adhesive. <laughs> huh. And then you pat down your your device or whatever they call System. it. System. What, what about Airflow Club? You're going to have, you know. No, Any this thing. No, 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 this thing. Uh, you read you know, that it's pretty extensive. You know, NASA has taken care you, of it. You, you should see what they're thinking of. You know, you can go in the water, you can swim, you can do everything. You can't even pull it off. Wow. You know, and it, the thing is, I know you have a lot of trouble with your, 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 your cut there, your hair piece in the center. <laughs> Sometimes it, it, you know, your path moves. Wow. You never have to worry about. It. Doesn't shift. Wow. And all you do to take it off is use a hair dryer for about two minutes. And uh, the adhesive apparently like evaporates or something. Mm. So, anyways, after the show, I'll I'll share the link with you. That's, I knew that's you'd too be much trouble. I, I was going to say, you know, I have six or seven different hair pieces. With, yep. Each one's a little bit longer than the other. For every day so of I the give week. the illusion that I went and got a haircut, <laughs> and <laughs> I used the, you know, but I, I just that's too much trouble. To uh, well, I think you're at Switchy. You, you, your hair you piece won't be blowing yep. in the wind. That's right. You're going to be excited when you. When oh, you, you anyway, I, I'm already pretty excited. Luckily, luckily. Luckily, we have another uh, semi-law enforcement person with us. No, I don't know. Uh, he's not law enforcement. I'm not talking about you, Jack. I'm talking about Agent X is here tonight. X. Secret agent, baby. The Secret man agent. who works for the agency that works for the agencies. How are you doing? Thank you for having me. And I am so uh, mm -hmm. complimented to be among this aghost uh -huh. group Were you, of uh, uh, contributors. Were you taking notes when he was talking about the hair piece thing? Because you might be in line for that type of thing, my friend. <laughs> No, that's because the light's in front of me. Oh, I However, see. I will tell Clubber that yes. they have a uh, solution for people with hair problems, and it's 3,000 years old, and it's called a hat. A hat. And if you just look along Ooh. among this crew, yep. you will see. I got one on. That solution has been well employed huh. here. Okay, thank uh, you, X. I got more than I could put on. Look at that out. Okay, Jeez, let's. Me out. too. Yeah, yeah see, I'm a, I'm a hair guy myself. I'm not a hat guy. Yep. So okay. that's why, uh, you know, and, and, you know, that's why I like to share this stuff. I see. People okay, like. that's good. Uh, that other voice you heard, uh, the other guy with the hat on is our Southern correspondent, Jocko Johnson. Jojo, how you doing? Good evening, sir. Doing okay. As okay. As this could be expected. Okay. We have a special guest with us, okay? A good friend and also our, um, our favorite um, empath, Valerie LaFasso. Valerie, how you doing? Great, Mac. It's good to be back. Yeah. It's been a while since I've seen all you guys. Yes. So yeah. happy to be here. Good, good to see you, Valerie. Have we changed at all mentally, you think? <laughs> it's real too no. early in the show. Yeah, good. Let's, let's, no, we haven't changed. Let's talk about no, that. The, en the energy today is weird overall. It's not from the show. It's just oh. the energy of the day has yeah. been wow. full of anxiety. I don't know if anybody else has felt that. But hey, it's, I had it's a, been yeah, weird yeah, today. It's kind of a weird day I today. Just you know, like hmm. I don't think we've matured any. I think that's what she means. I just want to hmm. say that, um, you know, we should be a TV show, but, you know, regular listeners who have heard Valerie before, she's someone who um, looks like, She's trapped in an 18-year-old's body. How dirty does that sound? Holy cow. <laughs> I'm going to take that out. Oh. What I'm just trying to say is you. Well we, put, Mac, we Mac. always comment on this is that you are someone who, don't tell your real age, but you look like you're many, many 18. years younger than you really are. Would you, will you accept that? 
Yeah, I, I agree with that. It's it's a family curse. A yeah. curse. It's a curse. curse. Looks like a college co-ed. You know, in the, yeah, right. You're in freshman or sophomore year. Right. Exactly. She she's nineteen. Okay. Anyway, all okay. right. We can cut all that all right. out, Val, if you, you want. You know, we'll have the uh, census take care of that. Look at. So we have uh, an interesting show for you tonight. Uh, we're going to have a club report. We're going to have uh, Drago's going to finish up his. Uh, his um, segment on uh, weird weather that has helped the uh, U.S. military win very important battles in uh, during wartime. Um, we're also going to be hearing uh, from Switch a report from the Fringe about Captain Ruppelt, who was the guy who uh, the Air Force officer who went on, kind of notorious, uh, went on to uh, head the uh, Air Force's Project Blue Book during the 50s and 60s, or the 50s, and um, mixed results, but an interesting guy. What was his name? What's his first name, uh, Switchy? Edward, Edward, Edward J. Ru- Ruppelt. Ruppelt, yeah. And uh, oh. he, he died pretty young, uh, but he before after he left uh, Blue Book, and be, uh, obviously before he died, only a few years, mm-hmm. he wrote uh, the report on unidentified flying objects. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and didn't he change the ending or something? There was there's, there's well, a lot of Well, later on, they, uh, they, uh, I, I, don't, I don't know that much about that part of his life mm-hmm. just yet, but they, they did add uh, uh, three chapters after the first edition. Mm-hmm. And they were more uh, in the way of trying to uh, maybe debunk a little bit, right. or uh, I don't. I, my impression was that the Air Force didn't like the the pro attitude of of UFO the uh, right. UFO reports. The original, they made them change the original ending. I mean, that's basically what right. happened. You know, they probably threatened so, them in some way. So anyway, so listen. Uh, but but uh, let me just kind of explain that we were supposed to have a guest on from uh, Ireland tonight. Okay, as you know. Uh, we have listeners all around the world, Liechtenstein, Egypt, Germany, South Korea, Australia, New Zealand, of course, Canada, and Amsterdam, um, Amsterdam Wisconsin. Holland, and, and Ireland. And so um, we invited her on, and uh, maybe uh, something has goofed up with uh, McZoom over there. But uh, <laughs> no matter what, the, 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 the show's going to have kind of an Irish bent tonight, so... You know, drinking back. Maybe we, so we're all drinking, we're all drunk, and we're all being Irish. So anyway, but we do have a top ten list. But before we get to that, Valerie, what's new with you? Now, Valerie, you are an empath, but you're also an author, right? Yes, um, I do have uh, a contributing chapter coming out in a in a new book um, put out by Paul and Ben Eno of um, mm-hmm. Beyond the Paranormal, and it's. Mm-hmm focusing on UFO stuff this time um, for, for anybody that's familiar with them. So I've contributed a chapter talking about an experience that I had with a UFO encounter when I was four. Mm, wow, um, wow, so wow. I got that coming out sometime this year, which I'm very excited about. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, I'm working on my own writing. I'm doing some investigating, um, always looking for more investigations. So mm-hmm. just kind of yeah, hanging yeah. out. Okay. All right. So cool. um, we do have a, um, a top 10 list tonight. Oh, we should just say, yeah, no Coco tonight, but uh, also no Raven. Raven is uh, nursing someone back to hell. And um, so, but um, I'm sure she'll rejoin us next week. Uh, for some reason, X has his uh, microphone off. But, um, Valerie, let's pretend that the person from Ireland is here. Do we have the top 10 list there? Have it right here. Okay. So, this is, I believe, top 10 reasons it's cool to be Irish. Now, now, please, I just got to say that this probably would be much funnier if the person from Ireland was actually here. But, you know, we're going to fill 20 minutes. So let's go. Okay, so top 10 reasons why it's cool to be Irish. Please, let's start the music here. And Valerie, number 10. 10? 
is all that great Irish cuisine. Yeah, all that food over there. You know, they just boil everything, yeah, right? Yeah. Okay. I know it well. Yeah. Yep. Okay, this will go quick. All right, number nine, please, Valerie. <laughs> number nine, we can pick a few shamrocks, dry them, smoke them, and then see the little people. Right? That's how they do it over there. <laughs> I already know. What do you think they're doing with those things? Who uh, built this list? Number, <laughs> number eight, please. Why it's cool to be Irish. For eight, you can have beer for breakfast. You can have beer for breakfast. No one cares, right? School kids have beer over there, right, for breakfast. We do that here, too. Okay. Please, uh, number seven, please. You can have beer for lunch. You can have beer for lunch. <laughs> number seven. <laughs> uh, the whole country does it. Okay. Is that real? True. Sure. True. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Number six. So far, please. the whole beer thing is no different than the Germans. Okay. Believe me. All right. Why are you dragging them in for? Okay, please, Valerie. Number six. Number six, only we get to French kiss the Blarney Stone. You see, everyone else has to keep that point. Okay. Is there anyone here wow. tonight who has not done that? Yes. I have not. I have not. not. I'm glad you asked, and I'm going to I was there, but didn't, did not partake. We we know we have friends that live in that area near the castle. And every night, the teenagers hang out at the castle, mm -hmm. and they drink, and they go up, and they urinate on the... Blonnie stone, oh, stone. Oh, oh, and they come the next day and watch all the tourists kiss it. Oh, who, who was the one guy that kissed it? Yet? That is Irish. That sounds <laughs> yeah. like a story. It does. It sounds I mean, very real to me. There is I'm like talking. Uh, that was a local who told me that. Really? It's uh, <laughs> that's it's an inside scoop. No way you can get up there. Okay. Especially what? That's oh, a... yes, you can. I, I, I did it. All right. You see if our Irish friend. Yeah. No, I didn't. Fifty-seven, uh, yeah. clever. Okay. Right. Sounds very. I could see that happening, frankly, to me. Uh, uh, pl uh, please, uh, Valerie. Number five. Top ten reasons why it's right. cool to be Irish. Okay, number five. <clears throat> Where else can you say want to see my shillelagh and not get arrested? Right. Come on. Come on. <laughs> wow. Is this on? <laughs> okay. All right, please. <laughs> I wish I could do accents. I'm terrible at accents. Oh, oh, I would have I would, on an Irish accent. If you could that. do a dance, we'd like it now. Believe me, the way this is going. But uh, <laughs> all right, please. Uh, top ten reasons why it's cool to be Irish. Number four, all that great Irish porn. <laughs> <laughs> Irish corn? Porn. Oh, porn. You, didn't, you didn't miss that. Don't worry. Oh, boy. All right, please. Number three, please. Alex. Number three, we all hate Bono equally. Right, everyone hates them. That's how they do yeah. yes. I don't hate him, but he is annoying. No. He's, he's annoying. <laughs> he's a pompous A, but, you know. Yeah. He's a punk, yeah, right. Uh, number two, please, Valerie, top ten reasons to be Irish. It's cool to be Irish. Number two, you can have beer for dinner. Beer for dinner, <laughs> you know. And listen, what's a, well, are we almost at the end? <laughs> yes, what's a seven-course? Well, you have Guinness stew. I mean, let's well, come on. What's a seven-course dinner in Ireland? What is it? Six pack and a potato. A six pack and a potato. Come on. <laughs> oh wow. Okay. So we're now we're at number one. Uh, top ten reasons why it's cool to be Irish. The the number one reason why it's cool to be Irish. Please, Valerie. We're not just an island full of moody redheads anymore. <laughs> wow. We're gonna have to really bump Good that job. up, baby. There's a law over in. Um, over in England, and I think it's in Ireland too, where you cannot discriminate against people who with red hair. Okay, they call them gingers over there. Club, can you back me up on this? I mean, isn't there a lot of red-headed people over there running around? Yeah, but I, I've never heard that law. But that's yeah, yeah, you either. cannot be because... No, that is, that, that is a law. I don't know if it's a law, but it is certainly uh, enforced. But does that because include red-headed stepchildren? the royal family had a few 
gingers. What gingers are what they call them, right. But in Ireland, there's no such thing. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. And actually, the Irish have far fewer redheads than do the Scandinavians and the Scots. Oh, really? So yeah. stereotypes seem to dominate. <laughs> Hmm. Yeah, wow. Yeah, when you see pictures of people in Ireland, they're not all redheads. Oh, yeah, yeah, well, no. Half of them are. Okay, maybe. They must, they must, they must have a lot of but, dye over there. Anyway. But hey, there's I'm a so cat. disappointed, Valerie. You I really just got a cat sighting. There's, there's a cat really just left <laughs> off the real, <laughs> genuine, number one reason Go ahead. why it's great to be Irish. Go ahead. Because you're better looking than everyone. Oh, that's true. We, yeah. that, that's, yeah, you got that right. Wow. Absolutely wow. true. Said all the Irish Jesus. It's a yeah. blinding flash of the obvious. Now, before we go to a break, uh, we also got a, uh, we're getting fan mail all the time. And Valerie, anytime you want to jump in and tell us how the uh, the vibe of the show is going up and down, please. Okay. okay. You can signal me with the, uh, you know, that sign and middle fingers and everything. So look. But we get we get we get a lot of uh, um, fan mail, and we don't have time to read it on the. But we got an interesting one today, and I shot it over the club, had him review it, and I think uh, do you think it's uh, we should read it on the air there, Cluddy? Well, you know, I think in, to have full disclosure, I think I think we should. You know, we've got okay. a lot of nice fan mail. You know, we get pats on the back and people that like things. Yes. So this piece of writing. Uh, Kind of yin and yang. Uh, I think I, I wouldn't classify it as fan mail, but it is from a listener. <laughs> and I think we have to disclose this kind of stuff. Okay. Not everything is True. we yeah. do is popular. Right. Yeah. Full transparency. Yeah. No, I, so I agree. I think we ought to. Okay, so this is on the level, guys. This isn't, you know, uh, written or anything. I got this email about noontime today. Go ahead, please, Clip. Okay. It starts off. Uh, by the way, it's from a regular listener, Lenny. So if you know regular listener, Lenny, this is what he has to say. Hey, Mac. Man, would you stop with the endless nonsense you present in your show? All the stupid stuff you do and say have nothing to do with military. X-Files, double exclamation point. It's false advertising, double exclamation. I end up feeling I have wasted my much valuable time listening to your shows, exclamation point. Nothing is funny on it, exclamation point. Nothing exclamation point. And believe me, I am not the only person who thinks this. Mm. One more thing. The UFO conspiracy did not start in 1947. It started in February 1942 with the Battle of L.A. You heard it here first, and I'll be waiting to hear some of the acknowledged, some as acknowledged as I suffer through Another one of your broadcast exclamation point. You ain't Howard Stern exclamation point. Thank God. He already did what you try at being funny. So stop. Hmm. And then best regards. One of our uh, <laughs> Love mom. Fan, your raving fan. <laughs> best regards. Wow. May, may I comment on that? Good one. I like Please. It. Go ahead. JJ you likes know, first it. Of all, Switchy. Uh, I think you can back me up on this. It was like June 24th, some year way before. Uh, when that fellow spotted those original flying saucers up there in Washington State or wherever it was, right? Yeah, Arnold's, yeah. yeah. And so, so he's wrong on the Battle of L.A., number one. And Lenny sounds like he could be a paisan of mine. I'm a little ashamed. Well, I made up that name, but the, I thought the funny but, uh, thing about the letter was... I just brought up a military question about the Ukraine, and then I got a report here to list three shows about military and war. What is he talking about? Ah, who knows? So, look, why don't we do this? Why don't we take a commercial break now, and we'll be right back and uh, with... Uh, 
uh, a club report. Also, Draco's going to talk to us about the wild weather, how it's helped the U.S. military win some important battles. And then uh, Switch is going to do a report from the French on uh, Captain Edward Ruppold, who was the uh, head of uh, the uh, Air Force's um, quote-unquote investigative uh, section called um, Blue Book Project, Blue Book. But it was uh, with mixed results. Also, our good friend Valerie Lafasso is here. Valerie, what's the vibe of the show? Can you tell us? I, I'm feeling some tension right now. I'm not tension. sure who it's coming from, but I feel some tension. Ooh, I think oh. it's coming. I think it's coming from Switchy. Watch out for that tension. Right, here we go. So why don't we do this? Why don't we take a break and all calm down? And uh, we'll be right back after this. You're listening to Mac Maloney's Milk Tracks now show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. Please stay tuned. Imagine you knew what was going to happen two seconds before it happened. Imagine you lived with the world's most beautiful supermodel. Imagine you drove a Jaguar with machine guns behind the headlights. Well, it's time to stop dreaming and start reading about Navy Lieutenant Chris Starr, hero of Mac Maloney's new best-selling paranormal detective series, Codename Starman. Who murdered the most beautiful tea girl in San Diego? Who's bombarding a small Massachusetts town with heavy artillery on Christmas Eve? Who's causing the mass murder of terrorists in the jungles of Africa? These are the cases Lieutenant Chris Starr must solve in the Kalashnikov Kiss, the first book in Mac's exciting new series, Codenamed Starman. Follow the Starman as he uses his psychic abilities to crack cases the U.S. Navy has declared too unusual. Find out why the Pentagon calls him the X-Files guy. And what is the wormhole anyway? To find out, get your own tomato can and be ready for action, strange adventures, paranormal activity, and lots of cover models. In Codename Starman, the Kalashnikov Kiss by Mac Maloney. On sale now at Amazon and your local bookstore. Tracks on show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. This is Macaroni. Listen, what a show we have for you tonight, and it's really just in the early stages. Very quickly, girls, the very famous one one is here. Hello, Mac. Hello, girls. It's going to be an awesome show tonight. Okay. It's just getting off the ground. Man. Just getting off the ground. Is that what we're it, saying? Once, <laughs> it's it's like a rocket. One stage is uh, ejected, failing. Is that the right term? And then, uh, <laughs> who knows? Okay, let's move. It's on. nothing but the moon from here. Okay, good. That's good to know. Yep. Um. Not with us tonight, and as it turns out, it might have been a smart idea. No Coco tonight. Mills Gills and Gigi Gills. He's on a secret mission saving the country. Uh, but uh, happy that Coco isn't here, frankly, is our national correspondent, Switchblade Steve Ward. Switchy. It's great to be here. Okay. I mean, it, let's face it, it, it excites you when you uh, move a little bit up on the totem pole, right? You've told us that. Well, my, my per diem goes up about 20%, and I appreciate that. You what? We don't speak Latin. What are you trying to tell us? Anyway, it's, it's, you know, more cash in my pocket. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we don't understand that either, but we'll be back to you in a second, okay? Uh, also with us is our uh, no raven tonight either. No raven, no bun, no fun. Okay. I, I get. Stuff. That's shocking. What happened to Raven? She, she's nursing someone back to health tonight. She's oh, okay. dressed good. as a nurse and everything. Yeah, yeah. I, Mac, I I'm not it. feeling too good. Can I get her information? Uh, hang on. So Let me just introduce everyone. Also with us is our security chief, Willie Club. Willie, how are you doing? 
Heck, you know, I'm doing good. It's, it's good to hear, you know, that uh, some people are going upward and I'm going sideways. No, no, no. Don't me. look at it like this. I won't take offense to that, but, you know. You're not wearing I guess it. I'll just have to get a little covering for my head. That'll no. make me more popular. <laughs> Don't worry. Wow. I'll let you know what it's like at the top. Wow. We should get, uh, you okay. know, here's Systems of Men as, a, as an, a sponsor. Hey, listen, are you wearing a tie tonight? Your 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 outfit is clashing with your blue Yeti mic, but it looks like you're all dressed oh, up. Me? Yeah, you. Uh, I always dress for this show. You do, but I'm not wearing a tie. Okay. No. He looks like he's wearing a priest scar. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, like exactly. I was going to say the same thing, Jack. Yeah, I'm going to give the show last rights if we continue. Okay, all right. Hang on. <laughs> I've had them a few times. I mean, We're only halfway. It through. does look like. Yeah. Who else here is that? Look at that. It, it's. He's got a priest outfit on. That's what it is. You know, I, oh, I have different roles right. at night. <laughs> That's what it looks like. Well done, AJ. I don't want Bless to be me, here. Father, for I have sinned. Oh. Wait, I said it first. Did you say that? Hide the kids. Mm -hmm. Man. Oh, that's really that. That was sad. All Those right, so are was... some embarrassing moments, you know? Yes. Confession. Uh, yeah. Experience. <laughs> yeah. It was only oh, embarrassing if you're a, a sinner. A pervert. Oh, yeah, it was always like, a sinner. You know, if we were a pervert like you, JJ. 30 seconds. Hey, listen. Jeez. I mean, think about it for a second. You know, we're not going to get into a religious thing tonight, but, you know, if you're sitting in a dark booth and people are coming in to, you know, tell you their sins, I could see that, uh, it's you weird. know, arousing it's people weird. of a certain yeah. kind of, uh, you know, sexual bent. Yeah. But anyway, so I like listen. the community absolution much better. So, uh, 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 Club, you look like a priest. Father Club. Father Club. <laughs> Father <laughs> yeah, and I'll Club. give you a blessing yeah. later. Okay, there you go. Uh, also with I mean, us. Also with we're us. We're not laughing at priests. We're just no, laughing not at, at all. Club because he does. The more we talk about, the more he looks like. He it. looks like a freaking <laughs> priest. It's scaring me. Uh, also with us is uh, Agent X, the man who works for the agency that works for the agencies. X, how you doing? Never better, and thanks for having me. Never I better. Had so much fun in a long time. Never thanks. better. Really, never better. I knew you when you you had hair and you were fifty pounds lighter. Wasn't that kind of better than it is now? Well, I still have more hair than you, oh. and I'm still 50 oh, wow. pounds lighter than you. So he you. strikes out. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of aggression in there, a lot of hidden aggression. That's an I'm going to edit that out. Of course. No, his hair is neither here nor there. Well, no, Club, you may have to do an exorcism rather than last right. Okay, here we go. Listen, our uh, Southern correspondent, Jocko Johnson, is with us. Jocko, how are you doing? Very good. Uh, Joe, I just received, I received comms from Cobra. Yes. Commander wants me to take over on the wing. Oh, really? So, uh, yeah, so Mac, I'm on the wing. And <laughs> the chicken wing, my brother. Okay, yeah, okay. <laughs> hey, Mac, we got a new character on the show, Father Bulger. <laughs> <laughs> okay, listen, I You know, for someone wearing a Beatles hat, <laughs> John Lennon glasses, hang on, you, hang know, on, you hang can't on. talk. I know this is probably kind of a John hey, piece of chance, all right? All right. This is probably the, the worst time she could have ever wanted to join us, but... Our special guest tonight is Valerie LaFosso, who is our favorite empath and author and ghost hunter and you name it. Uh, and uh, Valerie, how are you doing there? I'm good, but you can't convince me the show is, isn't is like this all the time, whether I'm here or not. So, <laughs> Well, no, I guess not. You know, but, we, but we can try, right? So what's the vibe of the show? I mean, you said we were tense going into the commercial. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's. I'm, distra I'm distracted right now because your station friend is visiting you. Yes. Um, and so I, I keep getting that energy okay. behind you, just so you know. Um, this is the ghost. The, the, 
Bob the yeah, ghost. Bob. Bob the ghost. The, yep. the, the show vibe's good. The show, the show vibe's, vibe's good. good, but the ghost is around. Okay, that's interesting. Okay. He's yeah. He's curious. We've had he's worse. Very curious. We've had yeah. worse. Um, so anyway, uh, did I say no? <laughs> no, no cobra tonight, and also no raven. She's nursing someone back to health. Apparently, we're wearing a nurse's uniform. As it turns out, she had one on hand from the fifties, and uh, <laughs> oh, she's gonna. Send us pictures for the website. Is she play acting or is she really doing that? I don't know. No, no. I mean, uh, who knows? Uh, so, uh, no, someone is actually, you know, needs some medical care in her immediate family. <clears throat> mm -hmm. And she's nursing. I get it. Yep. Uh, we'll hear around details cool. next week. So, listen, talk about details, though, first. We have to go to Switchy and we have to ask him what he had for breakfast. Okay. So, Switch. Now, listen, we haven't done this in a while. And I should also mention that, you know, despite all these things about. Switch's uh, alleged hairpiece. I don't believe he has a hairpiece. I just think that one show more than a year ago, he just happened to pot his hair on the other side. Isn't that what started this whole thing? He was like Jimmy Carter. He changed his pot, right? <clears throat> but anyway. Uh, yeah, Switch, brain surgery. I think that the beard is looking, you know, once again, you're, you're looking very kind of uh, Hemingway-esque as yeah, if uh, Richard Dreyfus played him on Off-Broadway or something. You're going for that look, right? Um, the Dreyfus look, yep. The Dreyfus look. Well, Hemingway or, or Dreyfus? Well, Richard Both. Dreyfus playing Hemingway. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Oh, there we go. Oh, okay. All right. Whatever you're going for. I remember when he was playing a shark expert. Yeah, that's a terrible movie. I heard a repeat. We talked and, about this two and an years ago. Even that's a bad movie, you know? Uh, it's, <laughs> you know, Close Encounters could have been a, just a, a so great, a, a, such a great movie. And we've talked about this I, I before. Agree. It they should they should reboot that movie because I'm telling you there's so much of a cool story hiding in there. But everyone was coked up for the original one, and they've come out and written books about how, you know, people are spending like a million dollars on coke and stuff when they're shooting the movie, and you can see it. everyone's like buzzed out anyway. So Switchy, let's get back to you, okay? Um, so what you have for breakfast? Uh, this morning, I went to Denny's. Denny's, yes. yeah, Denny's. Uh, Vanessa waited on me Vanessa. and, uh, uh, you know, I'm automatically put my military discount on. Okay. I had fried beef steak, Ooh. two eggs over easy, hash browns, mm. white toast, mm. black mm. coffee, and water. Water. He mm. had water. It's good. It's good. healthy. Wow. Okay. That's, a, that's yeah, he went for the big boy meal. Okay. So, well, yeah. wow. All right, let's let's think here for a second. I'm going to say that the that the bill was twelve twelve fifty. Pretty close, about thirteen bucks. Thirteen bucks. Okay, I'm going to say you left seven bucks, didn't you? That's that's right. Yes, so the whole yes, bill was yes. about twenty bucks. Oh, Excellent. Drop the twenty and you know, save I'm, I'm it. Gonna, I'm going to contact that place and uh, check on these tips. <laughs> these tips that you report giving. Uh, uh, pretty extravagant. And, are, uh, are you suggesting I'm using Artistic License Club? No, no, well, no. I, I don't know what you use them, but... Uh, are are you uh, suggesting no. I'm making up stuff? Club is uh, XIR. I'll just say no. you fabricate sometime, I think. <laughs> oh, holy cow. Me, well, well just, the, just the fringe reports, that's all. Okay, there. So, okay, that's great. That's uh, switch, What you have for lunch, just for the hell of it? Um, well, wait, that was kind hey, of... Wait, wait, wait. After that breakfast, you actually had lunch. Let's see. No, Let's I, see. It was it was not a, a super early breakfast for one thing, and, okay. and number two, it was very filling because uh, I was my plan was to only eat about half of it and then take it home. Yes, but I ended up eating uh, about ninety percent of it. Okay, so. all right. So what was and dinner? I did not have lunch. A can of spaghettios for lunch. What spaghettios? Okay. Well, why don't we move on? Hey, uh, you know what, Switchy? You and I have to have a breakfast eating contest. 
Ooh, there we go. Okay. No. Well, yeah, buddy. Matt, for quantity, no, no way. I, for, for no, what I, you no. win. You win. He win. He would win for quantity. I, I've heard stories that you're yeah. you're basically a bottomless pit, which is not a bad thing. <laughs> but I, I can't. I couldn't. I've uh, had waitresses to say, "Are you are you going to eat all this?" Uh, and I've, I was surrounded like four plates. I've I've taken pictures of it. You've already won. <laughs> I've heard that a number of times myself. You can eat all that, really? I mean, and uh, like in the Navy, what they said: take all you want, but eat all you take, right? You took them seriously. I subscribe to that philosophy ever since I've uh, been in the Navy. Okay, well, listen, we're going to go to a um, a club report. But first, you know, because she's here, I'm going to check in with her. Valerie, vibe of the show, please. Oh, you guys are so all over the place. It's hard to it's hard to pin down one vibe because you go from high to low so fast. <laughs> okay. But uh, it's it's good. It's you good. guys, you guys good. have a good... A, a good relationship, so mm. it's it's fun to feel it. Hey, this Excellent, is, yeah. Oh, feel it. She's right. What's that? Cat? We have fun. That that vibe gets shared amongst the entire team. <laughs> That's right. Yes, and it's, it's a complimentary vibe. Everybody has a little piece of the vibe. Yeah, right. But when the and ship it, sinks, it, it works together like. Uh, when the ship know. sinks, it's only yeah, the captain Valerie, that goes down with it. We did have that until the Beatles poster came okay, up. Listen, here we go. <laughs> and then it all. I, I will take it down. Then let's move on. I, God. I missed. In yeah. the hot sun, it all. Come on, that's that's not just a poster. That's a, a cover <laughs> shot of uh, the Revolver album cover. Look at that. Why nice? How cool is that? X doesn't right? know how many people were in the Beatles. Uh, you're you're bogging up the rank three there. So look, <laughs> how many people in the Beatles? And who else is in that cover? There's other uh, band members of another band in that cover, and that's what's cool about it. The Dead Beatles. Okay. All right. Come on. This. Hey Mac, I yes. think you really converted Switchy. You you know we don't. I think you work. A miracle with this guy it's it's been done he goes out for a 13 dollar breakfast yes and he he tips like 55 percent. yes right. yes that's, that's the what way i do you know, new it, york though. the standard is like 20 22 yeah more or less really? but he's not he's a long way away and, from new york um, yeah he's he's like a superstar now. well he was leaving a uh, buck. well that remains to be seen he's leaving they, a they buck and a half in, it's like two years yeah. that's exactly what i do 50 percent yeah Fifty yeah. percent. You uh, yeah, don't the, know what happened between uh, Switchy and Vanessa later. Well, you know, yeah. I used to leave hundred percent because you'd go in; they wouldn't want to take your money. All right, well, all right. Ask, maybe your money. Can we move and whatever on? Whatever the meal costs is what we gave him, and it was his. Can we move Switch, on? Switch, you got to send us a picture of Vanessa, okay? Okay, there we go. All right. Well, I'll, I'll get permission from her husband. All right. <laughs> and the manager. Yeah, yeah. What's this creepy guy doing taking photographs of the Hang on. Let's see. Why don't we move on? Okay. Uh, I've got pictures of uh, the girls at Farmer's Kitchen. Yeah, you know, you don't ask permission. We all do. Yeah, as it turns yeah but out that's your, your secret uh, spy scope. That, you that is my secret uh, You're obsession. doing the under-table pictures, though. That's different. <laughs> they love them. They love them. Hey, listen, we also have hey, a photograph it's not of... my fault. Uh, I can follow them all on Instagram. And I'll say, sure, follow us on Instagram. Right. Well, let's take a say. Human today, testimony later. But, God. you know, he also has a picture of one of them arresting him in cuffs, right? Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and then the best part was he tried to tell me she was a real cop. I was yeah. like, get lost. <laughs> All right, let's move on. She had the cuff on me and everything. She had that look like, whoa, what's going to happen next? <laughs> well, if you're a usual suspect, you get a beating. Oh, man. Someone like Jocko. Oh, nothing about that. Listen, why don't we go to uh, Club because Club has a uh, Club report. Reporting the latest in the U.S. military's new investigation into UFOs and what they still aren't telling you. It's time for the Club Report. And here we go with uh, this week's Club Report. Willie Club, how are you doing there, Willie? I'm doing great, Mac, okay. and uh, looking forward to 
given a report this week. Let's go. I did want to start off by saying that, you know, the key parts of the report that I'm trying to build up are information about our new agency, you know, that's devoted to tracking the uh, unidentified, which they now call, uh, you know, UAPs and no longer the acronym UFOs. Mm -hmm. that, you know, they're now unidentified aerial phenomenon. But anyways, uh, information so far in this new agency has really been very limited. It's, it's only been up and running, you know, since around November when the Congress put it in. But the, the disappointing thing is that we haven't heard anything since the announcement. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's certainly, uh, it's very controversial and, and there's a lot of cynics in the UFO community uh, thinking that this is just another government, you know, uh, thing where they're really just trying to keep the UFO people happy, but they're really yep. not going to produce any results. Yes. So if we don't start hearing some stuff about some activities or research soon, I think that uh, they're going to lose their credibility. So I just wanted to let you know, that's why I don't have anything new to report on uh, on our friends there at, at DOD, but we should just as soon say as I get some updates. We should just say that you know a few months ago, as part of a major um, bill that was passed by uh, you know the U.S. government, there was a writer, there was a writer in there saying that you know we have to kind of take a serious look at what we used to know as UFOs are. Okay, and they and they kind of corralled it a little bit with uh, that they they might pose a safety issue to airplanes and stuff, which I had never heard before, but. You know they are tasked with coming out with, with reports on kind of timely basis, and I think uh, when we did the first club report, we said, "Well, we'll see how they use the media for this." You know, because it could be just throwing the dog the dog a bone. You know, in a way, but I don't I don't think they'll get they'll get away with throwing bones to the dog because there's so many people interested in this. They want to see results. You know, especially now that taxpayers' money, you know, they threw sixty million bucks or something at it. You know, that's not hey. All right, yeah. Well, that's my job to, you know, find out what's going on. Okay. And uh, right now, like I say, it's very hard to get uh, any information uh, about the agency and their activities. So, so anyway, so, so you stay tuned. Yes, yeah, stay, stay tuned. Okay. So anyways, Mac, I, I did put together a, a report. You would ask me to uh, put together a report on a particular individual and some uh, interesting uh, information about him. And uh, so, uh, what I've uh, what I've found is first of all, the uh, gentleman's name is Emmanuel Valenkowski, and uh, he uh, is now deceased. But his writings go back to 1950. And anyways, the uh, the topic that I'll be covering uh, it really goes back to the origins of the universe, you might say. Um, recently, with the launch of the uh, the new James Webb Telescope that uh, is the replacement for, you know, the Hubble. In fact, the, the James Webb is now a million miles out. And that's one of the things they're doing is looking to try to find more information on the origins of the universe. But so as a result of that, there is a lot more interest now in that area. So I thought I'd cover this, uh, this individual, uh, Valenkowski. Uh, he, um, he had some interesting views on the origins uh, and things that happened back in the early times. Uh, just to give you a little background on Valenkowski, he was, uh, he was a Russian, then he, was, he moved to Israel, and eventually he, was, uh, he became an American. And he was an author, and uh, he did a lot of research. And uh, anyways, a book that he wrote back in 1950 
which happened to be a, a U.S. Uh, bestseller at the time, was called Worlds in Collision. And it was highly controversial and has a lot of critics. And the bottom line is that his theory is that, and, and his argument was that the world suffered a catastrophic close contact with other planets, namely uh, Venus and Mars, in that Venus uh, was originally a comet that was ejected by Jupiter and it was transferred from a, con a comet into an orbiting planet. And uh, what happened was that that changed it. When that happened and it started rotating toward the Earth, um, that changed the Earth's axis and magnetic field with catastrophic results. Now, it isn't believed that it actually had a collision with the Earth, but it came close enough that it made those um, major impacts as far as the the magnetic field and uh, the, the Earth's axis that probably had some real devastating thing to the, uh, you know, the life on Earth at that time. You know, we're talking uh, 15,000 BC, 15th century BC. So um, that uh, theory that he came up with um, really caused, you know, a lot of critics because nobody could imagine anything like anything like that ever happened mm -hmm. but anyways like i say that that book he wrote about it became a u.s bestseller back in 1950 and in fact uh valakovsky's book uh, was found in uh, albert einstein's desk after he was it was open the book was open and it was on his desk uh at the time of his uh, desk when they went into albert einstein's really after, uh, office after einstein died of, uh, things but on there that his book about the uh, you know this uh, world in collision was was open on his desk. well maybe that's so, what killed him you know <laughs> yeah he had a heart attack hang on a second in fact um you know, that was 70 years ago when he wrote that yep uh, more recently uh it, this topic has been picked up again as i told you i think a lot of it now because of the james webb telescope and all everybody's thinking now about the beginning of time and right. the big bang but yep but uh, a gentleman named lid scranton he was from albany new york he's still alive yes and uh, he's a software developer but he was a he's a researcher of uh, many of the world's uh cosmo cosmologies okay? okay yep and um so he wrote a book sort of defending valakovsky and it was called the valakovsky heresies, where it, he re-examines the evidence, and he presents new information based on a recent space probe mission, Yes, where he claims that, that Venus probe. Uh, still exi existed as a comet with today, has comet-like properties to it. Really? So tough... he's done some research that shows that it, it, there might be something to the fact that Venus was at one time a, a comet. Mm -hmm. Now... He uh, he goes in there and he cites, you know, different things. But but he, he he's someone that's starting to bring this topic back up. And in fact, uh, the book that he wrote uh, the, about the heresies, uh, that was also a reading material at uh, Colgate University. Really? Used in uh, subjects there that uh, Where they made yeah, the was toothpaste. taught at Colgate. Yeah. Uh -huh. And uh, it's a, basically it's a study of the founding symbols of the civilization. Mm -hmm. And uh, so he really uh, thinks he's found some evidence there that uh, that there was uh, this major 
catastrophe uh, some event affecting the earth you know mm -hmm. back in the period of 15 bc yeah yeah and in fact going back to readings of the tribes and everything else in those days it appears that um at that time there was no uh planet at that time that it uh, didn't exist from all of the folks that were around that time that were studying the universe and the stars mm. that uh, venus was not up there at that time it, so, it goes a different way so anyways I, it, you know that it, yeah, it revolves around the earth and in, in a different direction than the rest of the planets which is kind of odd and it, it revolves yep, right. in, in a different uh you know direction or something it, uh was it retrograde rather yeah uh, yeah it, kind it, of weird. it spins on its axis in exactly the opposite direction than the rest of the planets yeah but there's another uh, very briefly club there's another book i read some years ago called velikovsky reconsidered by several different authors and they they look at some of his stuff and, and they think he was probably incorrect, but there are other things that they kind of weighed and thought maybe he was onto something. But the interesting thing about that book is they quote uh, Donald Menzel. Oh. And we know that guy yeah. as the major debunker and cynic about UFOs. Right, right. He wrote yeah. a couple of books, you know, way before class did. And it's interesting because they pointed out in that book, people like Menzel and other ones, they viciously attacked Belikovsky, but they would accuse him of, of saying things, writing things that he didn't actually support. You get this really negative vibe, cool. but they weren't even actually dealing with what he wrote yeah, yeah. and then disagreeing with it on a scientific basis. Yeah, the fake lie. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, well, like that happens all the time. Author, you know, he authored a lot of different uh, books and, right. and on different views. So, you know, it's not surprising, but but he uh, he was a you know pretty controversial uh a person of the time because of you know his his theory yeah, yeah. Well, he was but, like a heretic to the uh, yeah. establishment but usually well, that, that's why they you know uh, scranton's book was called the velikovsky heresies hey, they and, thought uh, uh, what's so, his name was a heretic heretic too the you know galileo i mean they literally yeah, made him right. kill himself because he was a heretic just uh, let me just break in here for a second uh, val we just had a cat sighting a little bit while ago how many cats do you have just <laughs> i'm taking school the one just the one okay all right okay we have to bring. She's got, in, a, she's got enough energy for about three cats, though. Oh, really? Yeah, triple cat. All right, we have to bring you know, a cat reference in every show. So cats are so cool. They okay, really here we are. go. All right, I went down that road. They are definitely cool. Uh, so wait, well, all right, one well, one. First, it was the Beatles. I lived with cat. six cats when my daughter was here. Yes. Golly. Six <laughs> cats. Yes. Oh man, do they you play with each other? Worship them. Well. Hmm. Do, they're do, they're religious icon cats. Do cats yeah. uh, do cats calm people down, Valerie? Do they do oh, they yeah. have a calming effect on? They can be very healing. There's a lot of people believe that cats can do Reiki, which is energy healing, and that their purr can can um, calm anxiety and, and heal physical ailments. Uh huh. Okay. We, we had a cat once. My my wife had a, a migraine, had a headache, and a cat came up, jumped up on the bed. And actually pressed his paw against mm. her temple, just mm. kind of as if he was massaging it. You could uh, certainly feel there's something there, but without any, you know, with, you without any uh, other other thing than being a cat that was sensitive to that kind of thing. It was just very cool. Did the migraine go away? Uh, eventually, eventually, it, it wasn't, okay, wasn't, right. wasn't healing paws wasn't exactly. It was just trying to a little sign bit of that cat up. Distracted by the cat, where you don't feel the migraine. I think they they have a resonant frequency in there. In their purring, that uh, affects uh, your ability to feel pain. Hmm. Well, that could be. I, I, should, I swear that, that I should get a cat then. When they're around you, 
a club. So uh, that's an interesting report. Um, yeah, that- what I'm going to do, Mac, is uh, I'm going to I want to continue to follow this to see if yeah, anything else comes to sure, it. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I say, it's it's an interesting theory, and now that we're back into you know, hopefully getting some more real detail on the origins of the universe right. with the uh, the new Webb telescope. That may also come up with um, something to, to help in uh, the, uh, is to see whether or not this really is, uh, is true. Because, you know, like I say, that's why Scranton got involved again, mm-hmm. you know, because of that space probe. Uh, apparently some information that he got from that right. le- led him to believe that he ought to write this book and sort of defend uh, the Velikovsky. So let's see what happens with the uh, with that uh, probe out there now, a million miles out. Ba-da-boom. They say we're going to really get to see the uh, James Webb James Webb Telescope, um, which they just finally launched, and it was right. behind the uh, schedule for like ten years. Very expensive telescope. It's way, yep. way, way out there, a million miles from Earth. It's a, it's already. It, it took what a month or something just it's to out get a there. Million miles. Yeah. And it's going to be able to take pictures. Now, get this. It's going to be able to take pictures way, way, way back into the early stages of the universe. Because when you look at, up at the sky, you're basically looking back in time. And it can just take pictures deep and deep and deep into the universe. And maybe at some point actually take a picture of what was there before the beginning of the universe, the Big Bang. They don't really want to come out and say that. But, you know, there's a good chance that that might happen at some point. And we'll really know, you know, what's going on, you know. But um, yeah, that's going to happen, and and it's a very it's a very complicated. The more I read about, it, the more I think this thing isn't going to work. But it's it's unbelievable technology if it does work. And um, wor- everything so far is so working far is so you good. Know, yeah, got it up there. Then yep. they had to open it up. Open you up know, the there sun. Were certain yeah, things that had to happen, and everything has happened so far clockwork. And yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, imagine a million miles away. Yeah, crazy. You know, it, it even has a protector uh, that. It opened up to protect it from the sun. Yeah, yeah. And if that, if they couldn't open that up, it would have been a, a failure because Boom. the sun would have destroyed it. But it opened up, and so this thing is going to start functioning now. And hey, listen, let me just say this. Back, so we'll see. Before we go to commercial, I'm not a big champion for you know what's going on in this country. You know these days, these past four or five years. But there's one thing you can be sure of: no other country could do that. No other country could come up with the James Webb. Telescope, you know, well, you're right. Uh, you know that's just the way we are, and it's good, you know, that it works, and um, you know that they continue stuff like that. I think is really important. So, why don't we do this now, though? Speaking about important, why don't we go take a commercial break? And you're listening to Mac Maloney's Military Exile Show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. We'll be right back after this. Stay tuned. Where is the Sea of Moons? Is it on the moon? Or in a haunted part of the Pacific Ocean? Or is it just in our heads? What if you dreamed of meeting a beautiful Irish girl, but she turned out to be a cop? What if you dreamed that you were on TV 24-7, but only the government knew the channel? And what if you dreamed you were shipwrecked on a deserted island and rescued by five lovely castaways, only to have some real pirates ruin the party? Then you should wake up and read The Sea of Moons, the latest installment in Mac Maloney's best-selling series, codename Starman. Follow the adventures of U.S. Navy Special Agent Chris Starr as he travels the globe using his special ESP powers to solve top-secret mysteries, first in Ireland, then in Tahiti, and finally to Hollywood, where Chris and his girlfriend Angel discover the only spooks inside an old haunted house belong to the CIA. 
That's Codename Starman, The Sea of Moons by Mac Maloney. On sale on Amazon and in bookstores everywhere. Everyone to Mac Maloney's Mill Tracks Live Show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. This is Mac Maloney. Hey, wow, what a show we have for you tonight. But uh, very quickly, Juan Juan is here, Switchy is here, Club is here, Jocko is here, Agent X is here, and also our good friend, our favorite empath, Valerie Lafaso is here. Valerie, before everyone else, how are you doing tonight? What's the vibe of the show? I'm doing great, and the vibe right now is really good, I think. Uh, okay. the, the report we just got, you know, I think lifted the mood a little bit. Raised so that spirits. Good. Well, listen, this was supposed to be an all-Irish show, more or less, tonight, but uh, I had to, uh, one Irish person uh, didn't show up, so I had to drag one in off to the street, so our Irish friend is finally here. How are you there? To my chances. Wow. Okay, all right. Uh, why weren't you? <laughs> I don't know <laughs> what, what, what did he say? I don't know. Say it again. Who to be Jesus? Who's potatoes, right? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Can you say his name is uh, Opistol Pete Opistol <laughs> Falcone? Oh my golly! One How are you, laddie? <laughs> I thought you told me you did an Irish accent. <laughs> Not close. No, it's okay. Way better than me. I'm sorry. Okay. All right. Well, you know, if this person had shown up, it would be uh, funnier. But I'll, I'll, I'll practice and I'll come back. Okay. You know, you know how to practice, right? Yeah. Just, just have a couple of drinks exactly. and you'll be fine. Green one. Yeah, Thank you. You'll come back like Father Pistol O Pete. That was Pistol O Pete, right? Okay. You know, a millionaire voice impressionist. Okay. That we might have to cut out too. The top of the morning to you. Okay. So why don't we do this? Why don't we go right to? Um, <laughs> I think I insulted him when I said he didn't do an Irish accent. Hey, hey, JJ, you do a pretty good Irish accent, don't you? For me? Yeah, you. Are you drunk enough? I mean, I say, <laughs> where's, where's me pot of gold? Where's me pot of gold? I can tell you, I grew up, I mean, my you know, immediate family is like right off the boat, man. I, I couldn't understand half of what my grandmother was saying when I was a kid, you know? It was just such... And she spoke English, right? Yeah, but it was just so thick and broke, huh? Days, but she didn't. I just uh, shook my head a lot. So anyway, look, why don't we go to uh, Jocko but or Johnson? Next, you speak Gaelic too, right? No, it's yeah, Cleon. Cleon. Speak a little Gaelic there. And we'll, we'll judge if it's Cleon or not. Go ahead, Axe. Say something in, in uh, Gaelic. We dare you. Thank you. Come on. Isn't that Cleon? Uh, I mean, just just I'm a Star Trek of you. That's Chinese, man. Thank you, Wilshire. That means how you all doing? Cheapest for crying out loud. Episode 56. Educated around here. H X, we got to take a course. Come on. I can speak a little Latin. One more, one more line. Go ahead. One more line in uh, Gaelic. Go ahead. Speak right into the microphone there. Woof. Say it. Jig Come on. Tell me that's, age, that's episode fifty-six. You guys are Spock driving me meets. crazy, as we said. Okay. X, are you uh, fluent in that? Hell no. <laughs> He's been okay, taking so it since the second grade. Some. You think he'd know how to speak it by now? But look, I had. Yeah, I, had I think it's pretty cool. Who spoke Irish? That's that's all they spoke was Irish. Gaelic, yeah. And uh, well, Irish, yeah, they call yeah, it. Yeah, Irish, yeah. yep. Yeah, yeah they do. I, 
Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's to me, it's, yeah, I used to get people pissed off because I tell them it sounded like pig Latin. Yeah, That's well, what it sounds like. Yeah, it sure does. Yeah. I think well, it, actually in this case, I think case, it's very Cleonish. <laughs> Clever. Um, Mac is more correct. It even sounds like Klingon to me. Wow. <laughs> he, what an admission. Okay. Hold on. Thank you, X. Why don't we switch gears over to Jocko Johnson because he's going to finish his uh, <laughs> multi-show report on how wild weather, wild weather has actually helped uh, the U.S. and its uh, military history to win some important battles. We uh, spoke before about there was a time during the Revolutionary War where George Washington evacuated an entire army uh, from uh, New York to New Jersey that if he hadn't done it, we would have lost the war. We'd all be eating little crumpets right now. But he did it when this mysterious fog just came over uh, the bay there, and um, they, they got out. Just a crazy story. And then going through the War of 1812, the British actually invaded uh, Washington, D.C., and they were going to burn down the White House. They you know, kind of pillaged the place, and they were going to burn, down, burn the whole thing down. And um, uh, a, uh, first there was a hurricane, which stopped them, and then there was a tornado. There's never been a tornado ever in Washington, D.C., but it happened, and it stopped the British from burning down the White House. I mean, how crazy is that? So now we're going to talk about um, what happened in Gettysburg, right there, JoJo? Yes, sir. I, I don't know if I mentioned it last time, but that hurt, that tornado you were talking about actually picked up like six-pound cannons, you know, like a six-pounder mm. they used to call them or whatever, yeah, yeah, naval yeah, yeah. guns that they had put on shore. Yes. And it actually threw them in the air and landed them on the soldiers, and they were like, we're out of here. <laughs> Wow. That would convince me to uh, oh. retreat. So. The, um, what we'll talk about today to end this up uh, is about the Civil War at Gettysburg. And um, there was a condition in weather that's known as an acoustic shadow. I think I could give you the science and some kind of background on that first before we go into the actual battle story. Uh, acoustic shadow is kind of like a mirage. It, it involves sound instead of light. Differences in temperature at varying atmospheric layers causes uh, sound waves to refract or bend. Also, wind shears and the absorption of sound on soft surfaces can contribute to the effect. The result can be that sounds coming from a particular source might not be heard by someone standing fairly close by, while other people located far, far away can it can be in a direction where sounds are being refracted, can hear those sounds. Um, it, it, they go back into the Civil War history, and there were actually five or six different battles, Chancellorsville being one and others, where this same sort of condition really, you know, um, changed the outcome of these, these battles. I think if you look at it, I think we've all have been you know, understand where if like I live a few miles from a train track, where is a, a CSX and Amtrak, and they will come by at certain times and you will never hear it. Other times then you'll hear it so much that you can swear it's right by your home and you could set your clock by the train. We have a, a Tropicana orange train and it's actually an orange train and it's about a hundred cars or more. It has a number of locomotives pulling it. And it goes from Florida all the way up the coast. And um, it comes by at about 4 o'clock, 3.30 in the morning. And at times you can hear it like it's running through your backyard. And at other times I, you don't hear it at all. I've seen that thing, that orange train. Yeah, and that's what this is about. But, this but, is the kind of thing. Okay, so, but, but why would it happen, Jocko? What's the, what are the, what, what's the conditions that it happens with the train? The same conditions that any sound waves. It's like I, like I just explained. It's this 
the air conditions, the temperature, it has to be uh, surface uh, solidness or softness of yes. surface. Yeah, yeah. It's just an anomaly in the, weather that, you know. Perfect storm, yes. Okay. the way it is. Okay, go ahead. Like I, you know, like sometimes I think if you live near a racetrack or a highway, you can hear a motorcycle or a truck coming by, but other times you'll never hear it. They're still there. That's interesting because I lived ne right next to both, as it turned out, when I was in Saratoga. But um, yeah, you would mm -hmm. there, there'd be twenty thousand people, you know, uh, two blocks away cheering, and sometimes you'd hear them, and sometimes you wouldn't. It was strange. It, ha it has to do a lot with humidity, uh, with the temperature, and different things yeah. like that. Um, so anyway, at Gettysburg, they, they they call this thing uh, an anomaly. This this acoustic shadow, where sounds go to die. They say acoustic shadows, uh, the areas where sound from a certain direction on any given day will not penetrate these uh, acoustic phenomena occur either because the sound waves are absorbed, refracted, or simply blown into a different direction. So sound is actually taken away. Um, relatively unnoticed in modern times, the wired world, because we communicate over, you know, devices, uh, in this, during the Civil War, they didn't have that communication. Wartime communication, sorry, excuse me. Wartime communication in the 19th century, you can remember that when the Civil War was fought, long distance communication in the United States were primitive by today's standards. Mm -hmm. They had um, telegraphs. Uh, while President Lincoln received battlefield reports from his commanders via telegraph, up to the minute communications, particularly between always on the go battle commanders, was frequently done through couriers. And that was from the beginning of warfare. Mm. Uh, other information like battlefront status was disconcerting according to historians where you had to just simply listen to it. Uh, commanders were not always up in the front lines. Right, they would sure. have themselves in a position where they could observe most of the battlefield. Uh, therefore, a commander was unable to hear you know, fighting sounds or whatever reason, he was effectively isolated from the conflict. Hmm. Knowing that acoustic shadows interfered with command decisions during several major Civil War battles, one might even go as far to say the acoustic shadows determined the course of the entire war. Oh, so let's go to Gettysburg. It's uh, July 1863. Confederate General Robert E. Lee was aiming to get one decisive win so big it would drive the Union to seek for peace because he knew the Confederacy with their limited manufacturing capabilities could not outlast the union's uh, you know, yes. industrial capacity right so he wanted to have an army with a major battle and force them to a, a peace table where they could form two countries but according to one theory a bizarre phenomenon known as acoustic shadows may have helped play a bigger role in the defeat as the summer heat bore down on the second day of fighting, Lee ordered Longstreet to attack Union troops at Cemetery Hill and take the, virt and take the virtually empty Little Round Top. Lieutenant General Richard S. E-W-E-L-L, -E -L -L, his men were um, <clears throat> to make a show of uh, force opposite them to split the Union troops and draw them away from this hill. Ewell was to begin his actions on the sound of Longstreet's artillery barrage. Yes, Longstreet did take a long time to gather his men before mm -hmm. attacking. It was He was on some kind of maneuver. He was uh, very hesitant. He was always doing something that he wasn't supposed to do, basically. Go ahead. It would seem if you read history about him. Yes. Um, so uh, Longstreet 
took his time to get there uh, to his men could attack at the late afternoon. But according to physicists and military experts, for a long time after Longstreet had begun his attack, Ewell heard nothing and hence did not move his troops. Mm. When the fighting that day was over, Longstreet's men were narrowly defeated and the Union had yet another high tactical advantage. So why didn't Ewell hear Longstreet's barrage? According to scientists, he was likely in the middle of an acoustic shadow, wow, an weird. atmospheric phenomenon caused by the combination of geography, heat, and wind by which sound is stopped from traveling in one direction, even while it travels perfectly well in others. The hillsides of Gettysburg are just the sort of place where acoustic shadows can develop. More importantly, the hot temperatures, and they had uh, gone back and looked, and they thought it was about uh, 87 degrees Fahrenheit, mm -hmm. and then you add together that there's over 100,000 men on the battlefield. There yes. were 51,000 with the picket and um, Ewell. Uh, the hillside, so the next uh, near the ground possibly caused a dramatic upward reflection of sound waves. The next day, when Major General George Pickett on his doomed charge, his men were cut down by Union troops positioned perfectly on Little Round Top. They had the high ground and the very place Longstreet had barely lost. From then on, the Union had the upper hand in the Civil War. Because of this and other acoustic shadow events during the war, one might even go as so far to say that acoustic shadows determined the course of the entire war. Like I said, they, were, they, they list a number of other battles. So yep. Fort Donaldson. Hey, Jocko, uh, can I in yes, interrupt for a minute? I wanted to be curious if Valerie has any thoughts about that, that maybe it isn't the acoustic thing. There could be a mental thing or some some other vibes that Somber thing going creates on. this kind of silence, you know? It's a confusion of battle, for sure. That's, that's a good question. Um, I, I wish I had a good answer for that. Um, sound is such a strange thing mm. to wrap your head around like i know i've heard things that are not possible to hear yet my ears are hearing them you know it's it's a common phenomenon in, in paranormal is hearing things that you shouldn't be hearing yes interesting um, <laughs> like this under, you know normal circumstances so i don't i don't know um but this is, it's a very interesting phenomenon, something I definitely would like to know more about. Yeah, well, there was, again, I'll go back to the, the saying where if you read the writings of, you know, Washington, of the uh, Andrew Jackson and um, Lee and all these generals that were involved in this, they always felt that there was some sort of power, more powerful than them, mm. and they would call it providence, which, you know, they were alluring, I guess, uh, alluding to a, uh, a godly figure helping them something to lead you know what was going on they they were superstitious they you know i mean we are still today we don't know what's going on right. or what's what but just to give you an idea um more people killed or wounded in the battle of gettysburg in pennsylvania near its border with maryland over july 1st through 3rd 1863 than any other civil war battle mm. and that means more than any battle that the u.s military ever fought because both sides were counted as casualties right yeah America. yeah Wow, what a mess. And uh, you look at it, the turning point, and uh, memorialized by our 16th president in a famous speech, mm. Gettysburg witnessed the epic clash of two great armies at Little Round Top, Devil's Den, and Cemetery Ridge. Union General Gordon Meade and General Confederate General Robert E. Lee fought fiercely until Lee's infantry assault, known as Pickett's Charge, was repelled. 
repulsed and Lee retreated. Now, this was over three days. Right, yeah, so yeah. So on the second day of battle, two of Lee's lieutenant generals, Richard S. Ewell and James Longstreet, were ordered to attack the Round Top Mountains from opposite sides. Ewell was to begin his attack when he heard Longstreet's artillery barrage. However, he never heard it. So this is over and over town mm. saying the same thing. Longstreet's attack and Union General Meade were able to successfully defend against the assault. Later on, they asserted that the forces combined to create an acoustic shadow that prevented Ewell from hearing Longstreet. First, he assumes that the two large natural formations, Cemetery Ridge and Culp Hill, shielded many of the battle sounds from the generals. Second, they believe that the hot temperature near the ground caused the wave to dramatically refract, refract upward and perhaps later to hit a warm layer higher up in the atmosphere, sending out more rings of sound in support of the last point. Can they, he also uh, noted that people in Pittsburgh, 150 miles away, heard the battle on July 1st. How did that happen? Though? But, how, but how? those in Tannytown, 12 miles away, could not. I want to throw it to, uh, let me ask JJ something, okay? Because you're a sound guy. I mean, yeah. sound waves. I watched that movie Contact the other night, which is actually a good mm -hmm. movie with Jodie Foster and so on. And, and the whole thing kind of turns on the fact that sound waves reach this distant uh, civilization they get in touch with Earth. But but sound waves can be affected by wind and stuff, right? I mean, really? It can be affected by weather easily. Like, if you describe wave, the, the theory of wave propagation, I mean, how does this... How does sound travel from the point of origin to your ear? Like ripples in a pond. Exactly. That's and that's just, the old uh, yeah, throw was, a stone in the pond and you see the, right. the waves go out in a circle. Right. Right. The the water is a great medium for sound. That's why uh, sonar is sonar okay. is so effective. All right. And, and that's what I was going to say. Yeah, Matt, but why you know, does in wind? The of, okay. In the course of you know reading about this and researching it. Yes. Winds can blow those waves. Blow like, yes, they can. Yeah, they with, do. With the with the stone into the, into the water when the ripples come out. If a wind comes by, yeah. it'll distort them and blow them different ways. Yeah, but why why would um, wind something like wind have know, an effect on well, sound when you waves? See temperature, that... right? And the mirages where you see the heat, like when you're driving, yes. you see that heat out coming off the road, like right. That's what it's like. And so if there's a mountain or a ridge or a wind blowing, it'll change its direction. Mm, that's crazy. And man. if atmospheric layers, you know, you you talk to pilots. I mean, Cobra could probably tell us how Cocoa. it's just like under the water in submarines with the layers of the water, the temperature, right? Yeah, 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 the different yeah. layers, refracts sound and you know different things. It's just really a natural nutty. phenomenon. When you think about it, it's really kind of nutty because these are waves that, but they go on forever no matter what. You know, these they explain Correct. how these waves left but, but Earth. I think and... they, they lose their, you know, they lose their intensity. Oh. They lose their ability to propagate. Basically, you know, it's a it's like a sine wave, okay? So as uh, it hits some obstacles, like that piece of uh, egg crate foam behind uh, Mac's, Mac's head, yes, which right. is meant to absorb sound. Yes. Uh, our atmosphere is a lot like that, depending on the, uh, the humidity, as Jocko mentioned. Huh and uh, the geography when, when you walk out on a out on a after a big snowfall like the 12 inches of snow we had yes and listen i mean you it's quiet it's a lot quieter than you unless this scheme will be well that's true that's true right. is out there right it's a lot quieter yes. because that snow is absorbing it's a lot of the ambient sound damp that's, the sound. that's around you at all times traffic going oh, by and sure. whatnot. Yeah. 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 And, and 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 switch could probably tell us how you know, submarines have coatings and different. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm not yeah, going to yeah. say what they are, 
but that sound bounces off. You know, it's aircraft today, radar, they have RAM coding, radar absorbing. Yeah. That was my job in the Navy was to uh, identify vessels based on what sounds they're propagating and the frequency of those sounds. Mm. So the practical application of this from a military perspective is what military intelligence originally was designed to be. It was uh, meteorology, uh, enemy, and terrain or before they had the term meteorology was weather enemy and terrain. You mm -hmm. have to understand that if you're going to be a, a military intelligence yes. person. Yes. And that's why, and, and it's not new weather has always been on meteorology today. Right. It's always been a, uh, a major factor in, in that. And it was at, at least 2000 years ago. Yes. Yeah. But they I mean, didn't know about, What's it called? Jacko's acoustic, acoustic shadows. Great yeah, name. yeah, they didn't know about that. Great name for a band. I, mean, or I think a you know. Uh, we've tried for years and years how science has always, you know, the military has said if you control the weather, you control the battle. Yeah, yeah. You know, sure. you know, we've tried to figure it out. You know, I guess that's what the original signal call, like you said, and signal intelligence was all about, right? Yeah, right down to Hop, where they were, you know, accused the U.S. Yeah. government of change, trying to change the weather years ago, but they closed that place down. Well, they hey. don't know how that works, or if it still does. But you know, you look at how they would use signal flags and right. flares and different things because they knew they couldn't count on P pigeons. Like pigeons. Remember, we did exactly. that show where they gave a pigeon a gold medal there in England. Yeah, uh, Draco, yeah. thank there's you very one, much. There's one in the uh, Smithsonian. He stuffed. Is he really? I think he was yeah. the one from the Lost Battalion. Oh yeah, yeah, in the, in yeah. First yeah. World yes. War. Saved them, yeah. I kind of saved yeah. them. Jocko, the thank you for that report. Years. Thank you, Jocko. Let's give Jocko a round of applause. Thank you. Good job. Sweeten up. Thank you. You're thank you. Even uh, Valerie's cat is clapping. That's how interesting good topic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's very uh, mystifying. Yeah. To say the least. Why don't we do but this? The, I, but I just Long have one. Street never ever wanted to even make that attack. No, but you can nail not to do it. Right. I mean, he kind of disappeared and wasn't on time. And he always had these things where Lee was always looking for where he was. Hey, be on time. You got to be on time when yeah, you're in yeah. law. Him and Jay, him and Jeb Stewart, same kind of thing. He um, disappeared with his cavalry and never be found. Really? Yeah. No wonder they lost the war. All right. So why don't we do this? Why don't we take a commercial break now? And we'll be right back after this. You're listening to Mac Maloney's Military Exile Show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. We'll be right back. Do you know where the world's most secret bases are located? Do you know what spooky action at a distance means? Is there a conspiracy by aliens to prevent us from conquering space? And where is the best place in the United States to see a real UFO? Find the answers to all these questions and more in Mac Maloney's new book, Mac Maloney's Haunted Universe. Visit places you never knew existed, the Phantom Tunnels of Tokyo, the UFO Trail in South America, Hong's Hats, and the very mysterious M-Triangle. Mac Maloney's Haunted Universe contains hundreds of reports on ghosts, haunted planes and ships, weird celebrity deaths, mysterious sounds, and a breakdown of every monster in America, state by state. You've heard him talk about it on the radio. Now, get all of Mac's paranormal research in one large volume. Mac Maloney's Haunted Universe, with a forward by the very famous Juan Juan. On sale now in your local bookstore or on Amazon.com. It's early medieval Europe. Norse marauders are pouring down from the north. Step riders threaten from the east, and Moorish raiders are surging up from the south. Now, as the Vikings plan an invasion of Ireland, the country's aging king must somehow protect his nation. But who is up to the task? 
Nordic sagas tell us an obscure and unlikely hero arises to save his people. Wolf of Clontarf leaps into history as a nightmare to the Norse and avenger for the Celts. It's Vikings meets Braveheart as this legendary Irish warrior, some medieval special operations forces, and a young woman spy help the Irish king defeat the Viking invaders. It's a tale spanning 15 years and leading up to the most decisive battle of the Middle Ages. That's Wolf of Clontarf, a new novel from Thomas J. Howley, now on Amazon. Everyone to Mac Maloney's Millitrax Show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. This is Mac Maloney. Wow, what a show we've had for you tonight. It was supposed to be an all Irish show, but our Irish guest didn't show up, as it turns out. <laughs> yeah, we're all drunk anyway. So, look. Do we have uh, Irish guest insurance? Hey, good idea. Okay. Yeah, let's, we'll get to the bottom of this. Okay. Um, so, anyway, um, but very quickly, girls, uh, the very famous Juan one is here. He's in oh. his beetle mode. He's in his beetle mode. Okay, beetle mode. I mean, definitely beetle mode. And you're drinking KBR, that that um, that cocoa ABS, juice. Twelve percent ABV, man. Twelve percent alcohol. <laughs> Holy cow! 12%. Wow. Okay, so uh, no cocoa tonight and no Raven tonight. All right, maybe that's the vibe we're feeling. There's no Raven. There's no cocoa. Maybe it's that dynamic which is causing us to roller coaster, according to our favorite empath who is here tonight. I'm going to introduce you now, Valerie LaFazzo. Valerie, how are you tonight? Doing great, Mac. Thanks okay. for having me back. Okay. Valerie's an empath, and she's also a uh, an author and so on. And uh, we've been asking her during the show, you know, what the what the pulse of the show is tonight. So do you want to weigh in now? I know we've, we've asked you a number of times. It's always a different yeah. answer. How so, so yeah, right. How is it so Yeah, but you know what? You, you guys are pretty consistent, though. It's a, it's a good vibe. Good vibe. You know, there's there's good camaraderie. There's, you know, good banter. There's some teasing, but it's always, you know, mm-hmm. mostly good nature. content, right? <laughs> okay. Right. A, a lot of inappropriate content, <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> I said mostly club. Mostly. Well, oh, I didn't hear any any names thrown about the club. Yeah, you know, it's, it's too bad because we were in a good mood here, and now someone tries to interject, you know, some negativity. But uh, I'm right. just an objective journalist. This is slow, oh boy. No, <laughs> I, no I, I agree. Yeah. I report, you decide. Okay, I I th- I like to say they're the best of friends, but uh, you know who knows. I'm glad you're on separate uh, sides of true the. Uh, lo- it's true love. True love. Okay. In, in definitely in different counties. Different counties. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so anyway, uh, Switchblade Steve Ward is here. Um, uh, he's uh, up on the pecking order because there's no cocoa tonight. He is a beefsteak breakfast into the day. Correct. Absolutely. Mm, okay. Wow. Is that what they call it? Beefsteak. Yeah, beefsteak. Yeah, fried beefsteak. Oh, man, that's a Midwestern that means, thing. That means it could be any part. Now, they also have, uh, you know, uh, like normal steak as right. well. Yeah, hmm. Right. It's what you're eating is like a heart or something. 
<laughs> He's eating roadkill. I went not dancing then. It's part of the beef. It's part of the cow. They don't tell you what part. With enough uh, uh, spices and uh, you know right. gravy, you can't, right exactly. what, you can't even tell what road it came up with. It was exactly. In some cases, it's mystery meat. We're, we're out of no, no. It's on the women. Come on, you want those people to sue us, Denny's? I'm sure it's prime beef, prime A beef. Club, uh, Willie Club, how you doing? Our security chief, he's here tonight. You know, I have to agree with Valerie. You know, I think things have smoothed out. I was kind of tense here initially. Wow. Okay. You know, there was something in the air. I agree. I don't know what it was. Huh. But certainly, I'm I'm feeling much uh, much better now. Much more relieved and, and not as tense. Hey, listen, do you have a little doll or something in front of you? What is yeah, that? Yeah, this is uh, you, the Irish show. This is Bonnie O'Bear. <laughs> Bonnie O'Bear. Good luck, Irish beer. And, uh, whenever I buy a lottery ticket, the first thing I do is I, you know, pat his oh, head. Pat his head. Oh, oh, okay. the work? I, I won $20,000 on a scratch ticket a couple of years ago with him. No way. Really? Whoa, 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 whoa. But I, I have to admit, I haven't done very well since. You what won 20 cut? grand on a scratch ticket? Yeah, twenty dollar ticket. No, thirty dollar ticket. You kidding me? Ticket. When was this? Did we know you? Um, yeah, <laughs> um, right around that. Time. Oh, really? Right what happened? What, what, what didn't spend any of that money around, did he? Oh, the home. Did he get a case? Oh, the home. The IRS found the wife. Twenty five percent of it. Let me say it. Let me say it. Now listen. This is great. Twenty grand. What'd you say? The IRS took. Uh, 25%? Well, they took between the state and the IRS, it, it was about 30% they took. Okay, really? Yeah, yeah, but still. No, but still, yeah, still yeah. I was very pleased. You know, that, grand, so, what'd you do? Did you blow it? Awesome. Did, tell me you blew it somehow, right? Didn't you? <laughs> we did. We, we took a trip. <laughs> took a trip? Oh, well, and then the grandkids got some stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Oh, man. Oh, that's a great well, anyways, story. Bonnie O'Bear. Ben O'Bear. Can you market those luck. things? Wow, okay. I'll have to send Mario to bear. expect him to say, Mac, that he blew it all in the strip joint in Revere. Well, Right. And no, the rest he, he spent foolishly, right? Okay, no. so hey guys, next time we send Mario to Bear over there, he'll make sure we all get a good taste. <laughs> he'll take care of Bonnie. Nobody over. got a taste. Hey, Agent X is here too. Agent X, Agent X, the man who works at the agencies that works at the agencies. Thank you for having me. And since our um, most welcome Irish guest did not show up, yes, I've been drinking Barry's Irish tea. Ooh. To uh, console myself. I okay. All right. We'll get to the bottom of it sometime. You know, maybe they'll be back and they'll explain their uh, sudden disappearance. Okay. But um, anyway, is there? Try and get some of the Celtic women on the show. I got the. Yeah. Okay, that's right. I'm trying my best. You're in show business, Mac. You should know how to contact uh, Celtic women. The dancers have dancers on the radio show. You mean? Okay. Okay. They're a good show. They're good taste. If they're tap dancers, then we can hear them. Hmm. Oh, Good the point, Lord Club. Of the dance guy. Who ever made him Lord of anything? Yeah. Uh, he's Jocko. He's over the top. That guy's Jojo. Weird. Jojo. Yes, Jocko sir. Johnson down there in the south. How are you? Have I introduced everyone now? Right? More or less? Because yeah, I went out of water. I went out of water. Okay. So listen. Um, everything's going good. Why don't we uh, put in the plug, this plug, real quick. Uh, if you want your bag of swag, the best thing to do is to go on to MacMaloney.com, hit the um, contact button, and please, in the email, send us your mailing address. And what you get is a bag that's full of uh, pins and buttons and 3D um, decals and, um, oh, bar coasters, of course. Okay, everyone bar wants coasters, extra yeah. bar coasters. And, um, uh, and um, autograph picture of one, one. Well, if you want to, uh, do I mean to mail that stuff up to you? I, I then just, you can I just looked at my picture library and I'm going, this would be good for an autograph picture of one, one. Yeah. Huh. One of my shots at the uh, the other studio. <laughs> Can you I'm deliver uh, a th- a hundred uh, photographs a month? 
that I will need? <laughs> Sent to the universe. Okay, yeah. I'll have to go to Staples. There you go. Perfect. And print it out. But anyway, so just go on MacMaloney.com, hit the uh, contact button, and send us your mailing address because the people do send us emails that say, yeah, I'd love a bag of swag. And there's no way for us to mail it to them because they think it magically moves to the email or something. So just send Lois, as it turns out, your mailing address. We'll get the bag of swag out to you. Too sweet, as they say. While we're at it, why don't we say yeah, Homeless Rod Troops is our uh, charity here on the show. Homeless Rod yep. Troops. It's a military organization. Uh, it raises money uh, to help um, post-9-11 veterans of our armed forces, mostly people who fought in Iraq and Afghanistan who came home missing a limb or something along those lines. What they do is, Homestead Troops, what they do is they build them their a home that makes it a little bit easier for them to get around, lower count the space, easier steps for them to get up and down, things like that. Then they give them the house. They give them the keys, rip up the mortgage. It's their house for free. And it turns out that when you give a helping hand like that to these veterans who really deserve it, um, like 85% of them go on to, you know, get great jobs and raise a family and, you know, have a really good life. So this really works. And Homestead Troops, I think they've built something. It's closing on 400 houses, one one, if you can believe that. Wow, that's a lot. It's great, you know, and it, and, yeah. it, and it works. It works, okay? And then— Give them away. Uh, this is the—and they give them to them. Uh, you know, these yep. people deserve it. I, you know, it's another show, but the Veterans Administration should be ashamed that there's even an organization like this. But once again— um, homes for our troops and um, the uh, spokesman for the group is a good Guzenta, as they say in the biz. Uh, general Tom Landemeyer, who has been on the uh, World War II trivia contest, remember him, the general? Yeah, I do. He's going to be on in a couple of weeks. We're going to have another World War II trivia contest. But the twist is, is that as the prizes, we'll be giving away autographed copies of. Um, Wingman 21, the Jericho Storm, okay, to like four lucky winners. Uh, Wingman 21, the Jericho Storm, featuring fighter pilots Jocko Johnson and Switchblade Steve Ward, by the way. <laughs> right. major, major figures in that novel, by the way, right, Jocko? Okay, yeah, so you guys should uh, autograph them, too. Right, I'll just fake your autograph. How's that? Okay, so coming up in a few weeks, we're going to have the World War II Trivia Contest. And uh, so what you should do now is just go right to MacMaloney.com, hit the contact button, send us an email, and say you want to have your name put in the magic fishbowl to be uh, pulled out uh, the night that we do the uh, show. And maybe you'll win an autographed copy of Wingman 21, The Jericho Storm um, by Mac Maloney. Yeah. Okay. There's the plugs, right? I love it. Yeah, yeah okay. we could sign him, Mac, on little stickers like the brackets, and you slap them in the front of the book there, and the mm -hmm. switchy. <laughs> okay, all right. Why don't I just fake your autographs? Okay, you you must you have a scroll. <laughs> I can see Switch having a very kind of you know cursive thing, right? Right, Switch. Well, it looks very like like a, like a famous person would uh, would sign his autograph. <laughs> just a kind of line. Yeah, just a line. I've got a letter some people. It's just a line. You know, they they're not they can't be bothered. They, you know, anyway. I got them from one one, as it turns out. But look, all right, so now it's time for Tales from the Fringe. And now it's time for another story from the lost annals of the paranormal. It's time for Steve Ward's Report from the Fringe. Okay, Switchy, Tales from the Fringe, what do you have for us? Tonight. Um, well, okay. 
we, we already teased it with Edward J. Ruppelt, who yes. became the head of Project Blue Book. But a lot happened to him be, before that uh, event occurred. He joined the 677th Squadron, 444th Bomb Group of the 20th Air Force on December 14th, 1944. He was from Iowa. Now, most of the, the source of this comes from a book by Colin Bennett called An American Demonology. I'll explain that in just a moment. Uh, when we talked about Charles Fort, I used uh, Colin Bennett's book on Charles Fort for much of it as well. He also wrote a book on George Adamski called Waiting for Orthon. Very interesting uh, author. He writes, and I quote, an American demonology is the story of the flesh and blood of the prototype systems man that was Edward Ruppelt. No one was born more American than he. The demons were all around him mm -hmm. in the aircraft and the weaponry. He had all the sacred knowledge of the Wright brothers and the madness of the astronauts. I offer this book to his memory and may the gods bless forever this, his great American soul. Really? Now, it's just after midday on, this is an important date, August 14th, 1945. The young bombardier is flying above the Pacific. He's navigating a B-29 super fortress. Mm. He received a radio transmission. Anybody guess what radio transmission he received on August 14th, 1945. Dropped the bomb. Well, the war had ended. Oh, the war had ended. Okay. Don't drop the bomb. Well, this is something I did not know. He was actually on the list for the Enola Gay as a navigator. If he was one, I don't know if he was the next in line or, you know, one of the possible backups if somebody That was the first plane. That was the first plane that dropped an atom bomb, the Enola Gay. Well, after... After he got uh, after the war ended and after he got out, he joined uh, Northrop Aviation Corporation, and they were known for their flying wing designs. And uh, then shortly thereafter, he was recalled to service because the war in Korea started. And uh, so, uh, January uh, 1951, he became part of the uh, 1125th. I don't even know how to how they process, uh, mm. pronounce it correctly. 1125th Field yeah. Activities Group. 1125th. And uh, his job was he was under uh, Lieutenant Colonel Rosengarten. And uh, the Russian MiG-15s. I guess uh, from what I understand, they, what they were doing, they would, they had uh, some parts of them that had crashed or whatever. Mm. So they were. He was a part of the uh, uh, team that was uh, I, trying to figure out what they were doing. I mean, he, he would get parts of this and then try and uh, understand the whole aircraft. Wow. Hmm. Now, this Rosengarten, this is the, the key thing here. He also headed Project Grudge. Now, hmm. uh, Project Sign came before Grudge. Sign started in 1948. This is after a year after uh, Kenneth Arnold had his famous sighting uh, over Washington State. Right. So uh, 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 he's... Uh, uh, Ruppelt gets kind of in on the tail end of grudge, uh, but uh, he didn't know too much. I mean, he knew that the Air Force was investigating uh, flying saucers and so forth, which, of uh -huh. course, is what they were uh, talking about at the time. Uh, he was also uh, connected with uh, ATIC, the Air Technical Intelligence Center. There was a guy now, there were, there were some uh, some people in there that uh, were very negative toward the whole flying saucer yes. thing. Yes. A guy named Watson, who was, who was the chief of ATIC. He... Uh, he said, well, you know, uh, some of these pilots, they're, they're suffering from fatigue. They're seeing reflections off the windshield, mm -hmm. so they're mistaken in what they're seeing. But he said he was very disdainful of, of the citizenry that were reporting these things. At the end of every report, he said, there's a crackpot 
a religious crank yep. or a malicious practical joker. Right. Yes. 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 This is this is a great part. We should do a show on just the history of the U.S. government and UFOs right after World War II to the beginning of the Korean War and the way they handled it. And the way that they lied to the population is just unbelievable. They're saying all these things when they know that they're not true. When they know that these things are flying around, they had no idea what was going on. They still don't have any idea what's going on. Go ahead, switch. And, and Rupert even found out that they were destroying. They destroyed some evidence. Now he was at Air, Air, uh, Edwards Air Force Base, which was, of course, the central hub of uh, of all this testing. And I, I want to quote again from Colin Bennett, uh, and this is from uh, Chuck Yeager. Yeager said. Being at Edwards in the 1950s, I was part of the greatest era in research flying in the history of aviation. In less than five years, a whole new Air Force was dumped in our laps for flight testing. From first to last light, seven days a week, the desert sky over the Mojave thundered from new and powerful afterburners. Hmm. He said, man, we were the center of the world, the only place on earth to be if you love to fly. Hmm. And uh, so that's that's where you know this this, this uh, events these events take took place. Israel. Now, uh, January twentieth, nineteen fifty one. Now again, this is before uh, Rupelt was actually part of any investigative team, but he knew about all this stuff that was going on mm -hmm. at the time. Mm -hmm. Mid Continental Airlines DC three takes off from Sioux City, and they're en route to Omaha. The the pilot and the crew sight a strange bluish white light. And it's almost on a, a dead ahead collision. And uh, it's avoided. It zips past them. It looks like they describe it as looking at something like a wingless B-29. Mm -hmm. And then it circles back or whatever it does. They haven't really, uh, they can't keep track of it. But then it, it flies flying next to it and keeping pace with the plane. Mm. Uh, there was a full colonel on board. He sees it, makes a report. Now, this is where Rupelt found out they were uh, uh, guilty of doublethink. This investigation team, he was, he was understood that uh, the Air Force was supposed to be taking this seriously and, and looking at the flying saucer phenomena uh, in a rational manner and trying to understand it. Right. But this particular report, even though it came from a full colonel, got a big belly laugh. And he found out that uh, uh, publicly, there was still a lot of disdain from mm -hmm. these reports and he couldn't understand it because it wasn't that far away from Pearl Harbor. Mm -hmm. And why wouldn't you be concerned about objects that you could not identify in the sky yes. as possibly being something hostile, something you had to, you know, check out. And so he, he called it double think. And, uh, uh, they, uh, the official, uh, line was among the people there, uh, lock up the crazy people and you won't see UFOs anymore. That was mm -hmm. ATIC. Mm -hmm. um, so I, now, but when he talked to some of these people uh, privately, they were concerned about it right, and sure. they did take it seriously and they did take the pilot seriously, mm -hmm. but publicly, even within this group, I don't mean um, uh, press wide publicly, they were very disdainful of it. You know, it's really, uh, and, it's really something that it's a misconception that they started. They started, I, I think, this on purpose. On purpose with the um, was it the Condon report or one of those reports where the yeah, that, that followed up after after they, they killed a uh, Blue Book. Right. They still weren't taking it seriously. That was a civilian. It was, it's that crazy. was the Condon, uh, the Colorado University. And uh, they still were not uh, taking it seriously. But that ridicule factor that happened, that was birthed in the late 40s, early 50s, where if you see one of these things, you're automatically a kook, you know? 
has really, it's I think, done a lot. job and everything else. It, it, yeah, I think it has done a lot to kind of uh, deflate enthusiasm for really, you know, important scientists to look into it because there's always going to be that kind of ha-ha factor, you know. So they did their, go- so they, they did their job well, the U.S. government back then in the 50s with the mm-hmm. misinformation. It's still around today. Now, at, uh, at this point, again, Ruppelt still isn't connected, but uh, he knows what's going on. There's a, a, uh, an enlisted officer named Lieutenant W. Cummings. He's, he was competent, uh, Ruppelt writes, and he, he takes over the investigation. And, uh, and then on, on April 27, 1950, there's an incident at White Sands Proving Grounds, of course, where they had tested the, uh, the German B-2 rockets. <clears throat> now, uh, they, they, were, they were testing one of these missiles and or there's cameras running and so forth, all kinds of camera crews. And all of a sudden, this object is zipping across the sky. Mm. And uh, at least uh, at the time, Ruppelt re- uh, recognized that at least one member of the crew, uh, he grabbed a handset and alerted everybody there. Now, most of the people, their, their film was shot, but they did get some footage of this thing, apparently. Mm. And it, it was just kind of a blur. And uh, later on, when, when Ruppelt became more connected, he followed up on this because there wasn't anything being released about it. And so a year later, he got uh, through some connections. He, he got, uh, uh, and this is under Project Grudge, he got uh, a hold of some of the files, which were in chaos. Yes. But he uh, contacted a major who contacted the laboratory staff and they, they had turned out that they had a couple cameras on this thing. They did some kind of a, a correction factor. Mm-hmm. And the long story short is it turns out that this object was captured by two cameras. The UFO was traveling at a high, at higher than 40,000 feet <laughs> at, at over 2000 miles per hour. And it was 300 feet in diameter. Really? 300 now, feet. That's a football field. Holy God. That, that's pretty, uh, pretty dynamic. <clears throat> Damn. Uh, Colonel Watson, what I mentioned earlier, he actually destroyed some of the recordings of one of the earlier incidents. And there was a meeting, and this is the old, uh, they had the old wire recorders, I guess. And uh, he uh, he actually destroyed some of the evidence, and, and, and Ruppelt couldn't uh, believe it. And yep. then Ruppelt gets involved. He's, he's appointed to, and I didn't even know this, Project Grudge went into another phase called New Grudge. This is before Blue Book. New Grudge. And, and uh, yeah, I'd never heard that. And so uh, two men from Republic Aviation, Robert Johnson and a Brewster, were uh, put in place. And they were good men. And they, uh, they, they uh, actually were working on trying to uh, interpret UFOs. Mm-hmm. And uh, let me just uh, get another quick quote here. Mm-hmm. Um, a very quick quote, if I can find it. Yes, yes. Okay, what's, what's interesting about this is that you know, the, at this point, the Air Force, I, I like, they kind of like forced into doing something. Because there's so much of this going around. So many people are seeing UFOs happening. The Korean War is coming up soon. They know something's going to happen. And, you know, they're, they're, as, as what you were saying, how do we know they're not Russian? How do we know they're not Red Chinese or something? I mean, that should have been, you know, on the forefront of their mind, not laughing at people when they see these things. But go ahead, Switch. So he quotes uh, Ruppelt from... Uh, the report on unidentified flying objects, which came several years later. He said, if anyone became anti-flying saucer, it was no longer capable of making an unbiased evaluation of a report. How he went. Conversely, anyone who became a believer was through. We were too busy during the initial phases of the project to speculate as to whether 
all the unknowns were spaceships, space monsters, Soviet weapons, or ethereal visions. <clears throat> so uh, there, 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 for at least a period of time, there were some people that were seriously trying to get to the bottom of this. Uh, January 21st, 1952, Navy pilot at Mitchell Air Force Base. He's in a Grumman TBM Avenger. And he, uh, uh, he was an experienced lieutenant commander with World War II experience. He sees an anomalous object shaped like the top of a torpedo. It was circling the airfield at about 2,500 feet. And uh, the object started a gradual climb. So he's following it in his Avenger. And uh, at one point he tries to maneuver to intercept it, but it just, it makes a 180, accelerates to the point where the Avenger was just left in the dust. And uh, so he, so Ruppelt, when he writes about it, he decides to let the pilot speak for himself. And he says, I don't know what it was, but I've never seen anything like it before. Maybe it was a spaceship. So Ruppelt in uh, the report on identified flying objects ends chapter nine, where he says, I went back to Dayton stunned. Mm. Maybe it was a spaceship. And then in March, 1952, New Grudge becomes Project Blue Book. Wow. Yeah, they were under, I mean, like I said, they were under like kind of political pressure for them to, uh, you know, that, that they had to do something. And if I remember this guy- to formalize the, uh, the research and the, uh, the right. investigation. Right? But they made it seem like- uh, it made it seem like it was NASA, like this big building with people walking around with white coats on. It was it was Ruppelt, like two sergeants who could type and a secretary. That was it, you know. Right. And and, and um, what, what they used we'll to get do. Into more of that, but uh, but X brought up the TV show Project Blue Book, right? And uh, he was right about it. The good production values and acting and so forth. My problem with it was it with with, with it was uh, while I don't mind uh, artistic license and, and that sort of thing. I thought they just got too far afield in some of the episodes. There were a few of them I didn't enjoy. I liked the uh, the guy they got to portray Dr. Hynek, even though Dr. Hynek wasn't exactly an action hero, like he seemed to be in the uh, Project Blue Book. Uh, and you know, some of the uh, intrigue they manufactured with the Russian spy and all that, that really wasn't my cup of tea. But and I just wish- uh, It didn't happen. I wish that, uh, I wish they had let us, this team here, yes, write it. I mean, we actually have a writer in our midst. Can you imagine that? It's, imagine us getting a development deal. Where would we go to party? Where would, awesome. where, 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 where would we have the week-long party? Uh, hey, Valerie, uh, let's come, check come in with down you. here. It's nice and warm. Yeah, we're not going to South Carolina. I can guarantee you that. How we, how, Valerie, uh, we got about uh, five minutes left on the show. You want to take our pulse? has mellowed out a little bit i think um you know winding down okay seems seems like okay yeah we're all we're all kind of coming in for a landing it's coming yes, in for a landing. thank you okay yeah. perfectly <laughs> exactly perfectly said JJ. Like and listen your cat hasn't uh, made any other appearances other than what, what have we discussed at him too is that it Came by um, not too long ago. Oh, did he really? Okay, all right. She's uh, she's waiting for me to be done so I can play with her. She's bored. Oh wow. <laughs> okay, well, they and they do wait, Mac. Well, they, do they, they do wait and they do give you looks. I, like, yes, really. What the hell oh, am oh. I waiting for? Oh, there we go. Oh, oh, oh well, there we go. All right. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of human hands there helping the cat. Oh, look at that. Yes. Okay. All right. 
personal delivery. I have a bad history with cats, so I'm not. Uh, boy, she looks anxious though. So listen, an all black cat. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, uh-huh. You don't mind the cat walking around the house, uh, black cat walking around all the time? The bad luck? Nope. No bad luck here. It's, really? not, okay. bad. it's not bad luck. That's such so, a stupid notion. Oh, yeah. yeah. Where, where did that come from? I, I don't know. Ask the, um, what was it, the 70, the 71 Mets. <laughs> they were winning by three games, and someone threw a black cat <laughs> on the whoa, field. Whoa, yeah, yeah, lost yeah. four in a row. He was eating a the mice. They <laughs> hired that cat. Right. <laughs> So anyway, so listen, we're at the end of the uh, we're at the end of the show there, uh, Switchy. Where's the uh, where's the image there, brother? Of the uh, let me uh, let me get with my people here. The train crashes. <laughs> I want to thank. Oops. Oh, there he goes. I guess I want to thank our uh, Irish friend for not showing up because we did kind of a counter Irish show. It, I had like this 10, 10 things that only Irish people would understand. Now, it, 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 club, you go over there. You're gonna you're gonna be living over there at some point, right? Oh, for, for the month of July. Yeah, huh. Okay. And, and you know, I'm Irish, but I'm not – I've never been to Ireland. But I guess it's – they can be um, eccentric. Uh, yeah, it depends where you go. Yeah. Friendly, friendly, friendly. Oh, very friendly. Yeah. yeah. Never yeah. on time. Never on time. They're like musicians. Never I on time. they're called the fighting Irish, like the uh, football team. Yeah, yeah right. Know, when they have to. You know. Can we get reports from you, Club? Can we get some video? I, yeah, I can do Skype. Skype. I can do Zoom from there. Why not? Huh? Yeah, hey, great. Report. One of the places I'm staying, though, is out in the country, so I don't know what kind of internet connection it's going to have. But Are you going to go to Craigie Island? No. No. Uh, That's, uh, uh, ever watch Father Ted? No. Is that some PBS show? It's, it's some a great, great BBC account. Oh, that's, yes, that's a real old one. Right. Yeah. Oh, sure, I remember that. They were on Craigie Island. Yeah, I did. I just watched a few episodes the other well, day. Hilarious. I don't know what you're talking about reports from uh, Club. We'll be over. I'm assuming that the door is going to be uh, open, right, for us, for so, the crew? There's always, there's always room, yeah. yeah. Always room. Okay, wow. Yeah. Yeah, if I gotta, you can find us. <laughs> if you can find us. <laughs> I got to tell you this real, real quick. When, uh, when um, X was, uh, you know, uh, had to have his security check, he puts me down as the source oh, of the come Here we go. an interview. Okay, so it's like eight in the morning, and these people show up, and they grill me for three hours on this on him. And you know, it, 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 I mean, it was crazy. It was really kind of nuts. And uh, so anyway, at one point, they said, uh, "How come he's always going to Ireland?" Okay, and he had dual citizenship at the time, right? Right, X. He's crying about it now. He'll do, yes, okay. sir. But. I know that there was there was a castle in his family that he used to go over and stay at, right? Right? Is that a good way of putting it? That's correct. Okay. All right. Well, they were very interested in the castle, as it turns out. Yeah, because you had to volunteer it. Well, they asked me why you go over, where you stay when you go over in uh, to Ireland. What am I oh, going to okay. say? You stay okay. at the freaking, okay. uh, you know, the, the Econoel Hotel or something? Oh, He's over there kissing the blondie stone. There he is. You better, <laughs> you better do it at night after Probably they wash it off. He wants. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so uh, yeah. Oh, right, that's our Irish show. This is our Irish show. You know, uh, if you're drunk enough to enjoy it, that's the whole idea. Hang on. <laughs> anyway, so listen. Uh, so I want to thank everyone for joining us. I want to thank Valerie. Thank you for joining us. We really appreciate it, Valerie. I had a great time. Really? And can you plug anything? What are you? You're going to be part of a book soon? Yeah, um, I don't have the the name, except it's going to be part of the um, Beyond the Paranormal series from Paul and Ben Eno. But um, 
You can find me on Facebook at Valerie LaFaso, author and empathic medium. And, you know, as stuff comes up, I'll post it on there. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, the uh, show's kind of timeless, but then uh, within a week, um, the Cincinnati Bengals are going to be playing the uh, LA Rams in the Super Bowl as an empath. Are you picking up any vibe from either one of those teams (laughs) and the four and a half point spread? I can't say that I am, unfortunately. No, one? I'll let okay. you know if I get anything. Okay, let us know. Please let us know. Let us know quickly, <laughs> as it turns out. Thank you very much. The Bengals, it's like uh, yeah, destiny. Yeah, I got my money man. on Bengals. Yeah, okay. Oh, yeah. yeah, I don't know. If, if they win, it will be a classic, um, you know, underdog wins big time. Yeah. Because they, they've won six games in the past two years, and suddenly they're in the Super Bowl. <laughs> destiny. Yikes. Destiny, I guess. Anyway. X, thanks for joining us. X, thanks for taking time from your uh, busy schedule and your friend who wrote uh, The Wolf of Klantoff. Is that how you open? Klantoff. Right. Okay. Right. And his his next book is on the way. It's going to be Counter Strike in Hispania. Mm. And it's Wolf the Quarrelsome in Medieval Spain. Wolf the Quarrelsome. Working title. (laughs) Thank you. Wow. Okay. Wolf the Quarrelsome. All right. I can see a movie. Wolf the Clar the. Yeah, he wasn't a butcher. He was just he would he would quarrel every once in a while. Yeah. yeah. Was, yeah. <laughs> um, let's it's see. It's really cool how they named all these guys back then. Uh, it sounds like when they got to him, they were running out of the names. Thing. Frankly. One one. It's Quellen and Trodok. Okay. In Irish and Ulf Rede Yes. In Viking. <clears throat> yeah. Slash so it's history. Slash play yeah. on. It's history. It's good history. That's why we're it's all paying attention. good that stuff. That's a, Speaking that's of history. It's an awesome thing to know, uh, you know, Agent X. How the Irish that. kicked the Vikings out of Ireland. That's what the whole story is about. I know. It turns out the, Vi- the Vikings were kind, of, uh, they're kind of wussies, as it turns out. History's been wrong all this. And, and in the, the next audio, one, wait, my friend says the, the Irish kicked kicked the Moors out of Spain. Really? Wow. Holy cow. <laughs> we should have had the Irish in Vietnam. They could have kicked them out. And the Moors, they invaded everybody. Right. Like the Vikings. They see, did. What, see what happened to them. Jocko, yes. Jojo, Jocko Johnson, thanks for joining us, Jocko, in your report. Thank you. Every right. time. Thank we'll talk to you soon. Great time. What's in your future? A pizza or something? Uh, I don't know. I had an apple and some cheese, a couple nuts. So there probably you not. go. An apple and some cheese? Soup, maybe. Where's Jocko? What have you done with him? Wow, you you eat apple and cheese? He does. I, I he really? Good. Yeah, he eats good. Yeah, you send me recipes. That's right. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Switchy, of course, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Club, thank you for joining us. And rub that doll's head for us, please. You bet. Well, it's been fun tonight. <laughs> I mean, it could, if you could rub it like Sunday morning, that would be good. That would be good for us. And just, you know, kind of keep us in mind, okay? Yeah, I will, and I'll share the winnings. Four I'm going to mail him some tickets so he can rub them. And then yeah, you ain't kidding, man. We, we, we'll we'll <laughs> rub your bear. head. Give him a kiss on the lips with me. Hey, listen, when you <laughs> when you scratch the 20 grand, what you do, you must have jumped up uh, six feet off the ground. It must have been just like water wing, right? I was in the office. Yeah. And I was uh, the IRS with people when I, I just opened it. I scratched it out after coffee break, and there was a bunch of people there in a conference room. We were doing business. And yes. so I just turned colors and, yeah. and I waited and get up and went to the bathroom. Yeah, 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 yeah. I did it. And yes. I, then I left for the day. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you didn't stay yeah, for the rest club, of the day? Club, if it had another zero at the end, you would have told them off to stick it, right? That's right. <laughs> but, 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 Club, that was in Massachusetts, correct? Right, yes. yes. So that means out of the 20000 you got 
Uh, they took between eleven bucks, right? They took thirty percent. Federal and state. The state of Massachusetts <laughs> took the rest. Um, they no, took six no. percent, and the federal took about twenty-five percent. Yeah, about thirty percent. But still, man, you still get the uh, you know. Oh, I wasn't complaining. Yes, yeah, I wouldn't complain. I don't well, think thirty bucks. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. nice. Not for nothing. Awesome. What are they doing for us that they got to be the partners? They're not partners. Who's They're partner? not working with us. <laughs> Who are you talking about? You know what what are you I'm talking saying? about? It's like we got to cut them in on the action, but they're yeah. not earners. But the taxpayer. <laughs> The, the people they're who collect taxes—they're not earners. They just—they're just, they're crooks. They don't have to be earners. Oh. They're taking on. God has got the earners. He's got the lingo. Okay, explain this to Max, will you? Hey, listen. Jocko man. says they're crooks. Next time you want to build a fifteen billion dollar aircraft carrier, that's what they collect the money for. Yeah, well, we're already paying for okay. it. Anyway, wow, what a show this has been. This will be interesting been, if it uh, ever makes it show. on the air. So thanks, everybody. And uh, I guess until you hear us next time, and uh, we should shout out to Coco and the Raven for not joining us tonight. Um, yep, we love you, Coco. We love you, Raven. We're thinking about you. Yeah, we yeah. miss you tonight. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, well, that, wow, you missed way. a good one, particularly the top ten. The way, yeah, the way. That was a winner. <laughs> wow, club. All oh, the venom coming out at the end of the show. Oh, I'm sorry. I had to get it out. Uh, so we want to thank everyone for listening. We want to thank everyone for uh, um downloading us on uh, as a podcast. The numbers are like through the roof. We're going to be in um, 100,000 download range in about two months or so. Yeah, I'm really grateful on that too. That's really crazy awesome. when you think it's just kind of a party on the air. Uh, but thank you for listening in. Thanks for all the emails. And this is uh, so this is Mac for the entire gang saying the next until the next time you hear us, be safe, be happy, and bye-bye. <laughs>